Warning, the following podcast may contain foul language, offensive humor, and other juvenile behaviors. If you find these things offensive, stop listening now. Otherwise, enjoy the show. Yeah, we got ourselves a game con, playing for 40 straight. We got ourselves a game con, our hygiene and weight. We got ourselves a game con, our games after fun. Thank you for joining us for season 15, 15 episode 18. Yeah, right at the top of the paperwork. <laughs> RPG podcast. My name is Stu. I'm Dave from Spirit of 77. I'm Stork, not from the Spirit of 77. I was born before them. And I'm Kadave. <laughs> <laughs> the beard's missing, so it's very weird. <laughs> You, those of you that actually watch the video feed are probably horrified. Yeah. <laughs> Removing the beard shaves off 15 years and adds 70 pounds. <laughs> <laughs> it does. That's why I, I haven't shaved since I was 19. <laughs> yeah. The beard is slimming. <laughs> it, is well, it, it covers up. It covers up it the covers double up All of this, all of this goes away. <laughs> I guess that's where fat beard comes from, right? This is great radio, by the way. It is, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> oh, it's just, oh, it gets worse. Uh, this I is know. how we start. I yeah. know. That's the problem of being a fat beard. Advice to those of you out there that are <laughs> contemplating growing a goatee? We've done some research. Some of our demographic is fat beards. Now, so the goatee is nice because it sits on the chin, right? It sort of like yeah, breaks it up. Yeah, but yeah, but right. if you do like the Bruce Valanche with like the full-on beard going down no, the yeah, neck, that, that it just ruins it all. It looks yeah, like yeah. you have like a, like you're smuggling a raccoon underneath your, yes. your neck. That's, that's yes. called a neck beard. It's just right. well, cool. all the way down, yeah, where it, where it merges with the chest hair. That's a bit right. much. Right. Braid well, it you all shave in. Your chest hair? Where do you stop? That's the conundrum. Right? Well, some people, it, yeah, you can't. <laughs> they so just do they back hair comb overs. Chest hair. No, I'm saying hypothetically, right? I mean, I mean, you've got a friend, that, yeah. Once, yeah. Right? Yeah. It's not that weird, is it? It's somebody with back hair comb overs, guys. <laughs> just keep combing over. Combing over. No, no, it's <laughs> all the way, way down. Oh, that way? <laughs> like a werewolf. the back. And thus, Wookiees were born. <laughs> or Ewoks, depending on how tall you are. <laughs> so there's a uh, NerdFit GameCon coming up. Two weekends? Three it's weekends. not Nerd Rage. You it's mean, like you mean Nerd 21st, Strong. It's Nerd right? Is, oh, no, I'm sorry. Nerd Strong. It's not Nerd Fit anymore. Yeah, Nerd Fit's like Nerd Rage. That's a completely different thing when nerds have a fit. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I had too much coffee, now I'm having a Nerd Fit. <laughs> Not quite, not quite angry enough to be in rage, but it's a fit. I'm going to look and see when it is right now. I it, didn't do like any prep. It's like the 20th and 21st. Of yeah, it's November. like tomorrow. Yeah. Did you? No, get it's game not ready? tomorrow. I, I'm, I'm getting it. It's I'm, getting ready. I'm pretty close. The 20th. I mean, it's the weekend of the 20th, 21st. Yeah, is it Saturday or the Sunday? I think it's well, the Sunday. Well, you know, while you're looking up, we can, you can, our, 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 oh, our hey, new, yeah, can that's himself. right, new guy. Tell us who you are and what it is that makes you famous. I'm still Dave. I'm still from <laughs> Spirit of 77. Yeah, I know you've been here because we did the thing. No, but I this said is it when we first came on. Yeah, yeah, but explain. Give, give, your, oh, hey. Give your elevator pitch and then explain like how it is you're on I'll, the show or why it is you're on the show. Oh, sure. So, thank you. Hi, I'm Dave from Spirit of 77. 
gentlemen. We are <laughs> Spirit of 77 is a role-playing game based off of 70s action movies and television. And uh, let's see, we came out in May of 2015, and most of the, uh, yeah, everybody in this room actually was part of the actual play of the Kaboom Show from our supplement that's included C. Ah, wow. Kaboom! As if on cue. Special effects. <laughs> the humanity. Of, of our supplement uh, Wide World of 77. It's a, one of the three adventures in there. And uh, it's powered by the apocalypse. Powered by it? the apocalypse. Put up by the lovely and talented D. Vincent Baker. Now, you guys have lots of products. I was sort of looking through it, and you've got good artwork and everything. It's more than just a, like a supplement PDF that's all tacked. Everything. You guys have put a lot of money and time into it. It's, yeah, a little it's a nice bit. I mean, product. we also have that and uh, what we call double features. Double features are available through DriveThruRPG. I'm not intending to make this a pitch, but they're two adventures that are put together as well as an additional either role or story uh, for the actual play. That we did uh, with the Kaboom show. You were historic. We're playing uh, an escape artist. An escape artist is actually one of the special roles from one of our d- double features. Unfortunately, and- I really just made him a magician. Oh, well, I didn't no, do much no. escaping because of the way the choices you gave me. I ended up going the whole sort of prestidigitator route. I really love the fact that every five minutes something came out of your sleeves. Mm-hmm. It was yeah. really cool. You know, basically, you know, it's like I'm going to have posies come out. <laughs> right. Now I'm going to launch birds. <laughs> No, butterflies. And so the best part, you know, of, of when the car chase was going down where the, the Jaws van is being chased by the the Datsun with the, with the birds and the butterflies <laughs> flying, flying after it. it. And she's trying to drive inconspicuously. It's so, very Doug Henning. Yeah. Right. That, that's a good game right there. It was the stuff. <laughs> it was crazy stuff. Yeah. The, no ring of power in that one. <laughs> He's like, he's like, sure, I'll run a game for the Happy Jacks crew. What sure. could possibly what go could wrong? What happen? <laughs> and you've got, you got. What so what it? do you do? I fall for a living. <laughs> <laughs> What's your talent gonna I'm be? I'm gonna fall on I'm TV. Fall down the stairs. Is the AP actually up? Is the actual play? Actually? It's, it's up. It is. It's up, it's okay, up this yeah. week. Yes. Dave, awesome. Dave's a stuntman who decides to go on the Gong Show or the Kaboom Show. And his whole skill, his whole shtick is falling for a living. <laughs> we made him fall like four times. Well, what, what, every time. <laughs> yeah, the way um, story games or apocalypse-driven games work is that basically you roll 2 to 6. And so if you roll a 10 and above, it's an automatic success. If it's below 6, it's a failure. But when you get a failure, you get an XP. But a 7 to 9 is a partial success. And specifically <coughs> what that means, it's either a partial success, meaning you kind of get what you want, or it's a success with a cost. So, so Dave was basically saying, all right, I'm going to fall and then he would roll the dice and so it would be a partial success so down he would go boom 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 and then cut uh yeah we gotta do that again (laughs) okay roll the dice seven (laughs) boom 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 boom. cut uh sorry the microphone wasn't working can you do that again um okay hysterical (laughs) and each time okay And then you release the burn on him to yeah. attack his fake parrot, and then <laughs> antics ensued. Yep. Hijinks. It, it uh, reminded me a lot of uh, the game that we did, the Tales of the Floaty Vagabond, because everybody's kind of oh, got a, a shtick that they yep. can do. Oh, yeah. And I love they, Tales of the Floaty Vagabond. And again, you're like, pulling stuff out of your lab coat. Um, and Stu, yeah, you had the best ending ever through the game. We're kicking Tim Burton into the machine and making ashtrays out of him. Right, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but they were sad ashtrays. <laughs> yes. Well, they were very sad. Like, we gave, like, these famous directors each, like, a, a superpower sort of based on their movies. 
So Tim Burton became like claymated. <laughs> so he turned into this like claymation stop motion animation monster. And Stu was like, "Wouldn't it be really cool if there was an ashtray making machine right behind yeah, him?" And Stu's, we're like, "Stu superpower." Well, I guess was, there is. Yeah. Anything could happen as long as it was a death, a life or death situation. You could, yeah, you could right. do, you could so do any, or you could find anything. So it's like death. Is, this, is, is it? Are we threatened here? Is this a life or death? Situation? Oh yeah, he's coming at you. You guys are hurt. Uh, yeah, there's oddly enough, there's an ashtray making machine right behind him, and we kick him in, and you're like. That's worse know. than the penny stretching machine <laughs> at the music park. We're going to make an ashtray of doom. <laughs> anyway, yeah, the game I'm was Jim Burton. The game was that funny. <laughs> so yeah, we had a good time. It was. Yeah, it was. Are you all are you, are you all recovered now, Stu? Yeah. Yeah, a bunch of shit fell. Uh, I think I have it down as Saturday, but I think it's on Sunday. Oh yeah, okay. Back to Nerd I don't know. Strong. I'm out of town. I don't know. Nerdstronggym.com. There's nothing up there about it. They need to get their shit together. Yeah, what's up you with that? Tweet at them. They're the most disorganized nerds I've ever heard of. I mean, usually I just I just texted Kimmy to find out because I thought it was Sunday, but maybe it's Saturday. Maybe it is because I have it on my calendar for Saturday. So there should be flow charts and yeah, and, there yeah. should be. So uh, I'm going to be Links. running Edge of the Empire. Made the NPCs. Is it in LA? Yeah, it's uh, North it's Hollywood. Hollywood. Is it North Hollywood? Is that where it is? No, I think it's farther. Is Burbank? It? I think it was more on the west side than that. I no. think it's just Hollywood proper. I don't think it's NoHo. Okay. No, it is absolutely in the valley. You've been there? No, but I'm aware yeah, it of it. Yeah, goes every week. Can't you tell? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you don't get a double chin like this from uh... I go there and I stand outside and eat a double-double and laugh and laugh. <laughs> Point. He looks just like... like David Nett, right there in that picture. <laughs> people, people see me inside and they work uh, out harder because they know this is what could happen. It's, that's all Photoshop. <laughs> okay, they don't like give the address of the gym. I'm sure they do if you look. Contact about? us <laughs> about. There you go, Sherman boot. Way. North oh yeah, Hollywood. it's in North Hollywood on Sherman Way. Yeah, okay, great. it's yeah. not actually that far. Walk from right me. off. <laughs> all right, Dave, you win. <laughs> all right, you were right and I was wrong. It's in North Hollywood. All right. So yeah, we'll be there. So and and you want to come check the gym out? You should do that. And there'll be games to be played. Yeah, I'm sure it'll be great. Um, a lot of people running games. Yep. I I would totally do it, but I'm driving to Colorado. Oh, that's right. Mm-hmm. Do you want to you want to read the first email since you're the guest? Sure. <clears throat> this we're, one. Comes we're going to yell at you a lot <laughs> for reading this email. But oh, go ahead. that's fine. <laughs> Should I read the title? Of course. Okay. Yeah. This is titled for, um, from Willow from Oregon, In Defense of GMPCs. <clears throat> Dear douches and douchettes, Willow from Oregon again, and this time I have a bone to pick. She after, said bone. <laughs> after a spate, she said spate, of recent episodes in which the poor GMPC was maligned and ridiculed almost unanimously, I found that I can no longer maintain my silence. Yes, GMPCs feature in many of your horror stories. Yes, they can be used in ways that suck the fun right out of the game for everyone else. Yes, they can be Mary Sue's plus 10 plot armor. But they can also add a lot of fun to a game if used the right way. Let me tell you my story. It was my first campaign as a GM. I had three players lined up, all with little to no experience at tabletop RPGs. I myself had a year, or less than a year's combined experience as a D&D player. So yeah, 
I was nervous. I decided to hedge my bets and run a module. The Sunless Citadel D&D 3rd Edition was advertised as an adventure for four to five players, but I figured I could just adjust combats a little to balance things out. That was before my players rolled a druid, a wizard, and a monk. Oh dear. That seemed a little weak for a combat-oriented adventure, but I tested them out on a minor encounter, and things went all right. Oh, so is it like a random character generator, or did they just decide well, that's what they wanted? They decided they wanted to make... Or or maybe they rolled their stats hardcore. Roll oh, your oh, strength. Yeah. Okay. Boom. All right, Roll all right. Who yeah. knows? Okay. I think it's more likely they were choosing. Right. Okay. Then the monk quit. Monks aren't quitters. I now had two players, neither one a melee character or healer, ready to go into a dark, scary dungeon crawl rated for a party two to three times that size. I need to stop you there before we get all the hate mail ever. It's We've decided, because we've had a lot of people write in, it's melee. No. Melee! No. Like, I can melee you. No, we actually it. had that mail in our first season. Yes. <laughs> but it's been, it's been reiterated over and over again, so... <laughs> It's okay though. You can pronounce so it before you, way so you want. everybody, put your pencils down. It's like, yeah, okay. Uh, just email Dave at <laughs> pass uh, spirit pass, game dot pass. <laughs> Carry on. Remember that I was super inexperienced then and was holding onto that module like a lifeline. <laughs> I had to run it, or there would be no adventure. Enter GMPC number one. His name was Jim, a reckless, headstrong young member of the town guard, eager to impress the captain of the guard, a beautiful half-elven woman named... Philosial? Sure. Philosile. Really? You're going to argue about melee? Philosile? Roll with it, baby! Roll with it! He hastened to the dungeon entrance ahead of the Can party. Can you make these uh, shows more often, by the way? <laughs> I'm sure. <laughs> Convinced that he could save the town single-handedly and win Philosial's love. <laughs> I have no joke here. I'm just reading things. After the party got done rescuing from dire, rescuing him from dire rats. That's when the dire straits and the boomtown rats, rats got mate. together. You get the dire rats. Yeah, That's good. they decided to take the greenhorn along with them, since it was obvious he would end up getting killed if they left him on his own. You could tell you've been spending way too much time in the seventies if you actually know who Dire Straits and the Boomtown Rats are, because I don't think you're old enough to have known when they actually came. Look, out. I don't like Monday Mondays. <laughs> okay, is a fine tune. <laughs> And your chicks for free. Jim helped out as the party's tank, but I did have some problems running him at first. Because he was a young, lovesick fool, he had a tendency to dash headfirst into combat, shouting Philosial's name. That is a war cry. Philosial! After a couple of encounters, the wizard asked me privately to play him a bit smarter. I considered giving Jim a tactics role to see if he would make the right decision, but in the end, decided that I would play him more like a soldier. He would obey shouted instructions from the party during combat. That seemed to resolve things nicely. Now... In the Sunless Citadel, the players traverse a multi-level dungeon populated by two warring factions, the Goblins and the... Kobolds? Well, how do you pronounce it? Just checking. Hey, man. All right. Kobolds. Yeah, the the Kobolds. The cabals. Okay. Their first encounter with either group was a scripted event with a cabal several rooms into the dungeon. 
That's what happens when they get older. They start to (laughs) lose a little bit. I remember when we used to have hair all the way down to our chests, and we would comb them over. (laughs) I was a kobold then, but now... It is true. It should be kobold, but it's kobold instead of kobold. He was one of those NPCs (laughs) that the players... No, the party immediately takes a shine to. A runty, filthy kobold wearing little more than a sack. <laughs> okay. <laughs> you had me read this. Yes. Right. <laughs> Meepo, Meepo was found sobbing in front of an empty cage, blubbering about his missing dragon. Amazingly, the party didn't murder him in cold blood. Instead, they calmed the little guy down and got the story out of him. Meepo... Meepo. Was the clan's dragon keeper, a very like important a person, until the cop go- the goblins kidnapped the white dragon hatchling he had been keeping safe. Now Meepo was Meepo. disgraced. The Cobalt Queen had banished him and he had nowhere to go. The players met with the Queen and negotiated safe passage through the kobolds' half of the dungeon in return for promising to retrieve this dragon. That was supposed to be the end of Meepo's part, because Meepo now had clothes from Master. However, (laughs) the party felt so bad for the little guy that they kept him. Meepo tagged along behind the party for the rest of the dungeon, being cute and staying strictly out of combat. So now I was running two NPCs, but the module wasn't done yet. After penetrating the goblin's enclave, the party (laughs) discovers the classic... Hold up. Hold up. Pause for snickering. Let's go back. I think it's enclave. That was supposed to be the end of Meepo's part. All right, so, all right, all right, here we go. All right, after penetrating the goblins' enclave, Mm -hmm. the party discovers the classic prisoner in a dungeon scenario. Scenario? (laughs) (laughs) A a gnomish cleric (laughs) named. You gotta use the hard G, we know. A gnomish cleric (laughs) named Erky Timbers. Erky Timbay. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> he was actually thrown into the dungeon by the module's designers as a possible party filler. The players weren't forced to take him along, but of course they decided to anyway. So now this is a party of <coughs> five, yes, and three out of the five are N- NP- or GMPCs. Oh, I'm sorry, she did add. That's right, motherfuckers. <laughs> I was running three GMPs at once. She was speaking to me. Yes. Yeah. And you know she what else? She anticipated your, your commentary. And you know what else? Uh, I give up. It was totally fine. The druid flirted Erky. Flirted with, with I think. With, I think there's a assume. dangling participle missing. <laughs> or maybe the, maybe the druid was like, Erky. <laughs> Uh, 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 that was their time. The druid's word for sexy time. <laughs> Erky timbers. <laughs> so Erky means sexy Wanna time. Want to make some Erky? Right. <laughs> We're going to have us some Erky timbers tonight. Yeah, it's like a medieval Ooh. porn name. Erky timbers. It is. Yeah. It's totally a porn uh, name. All right. So the sadistic uh, drow wizard. Yes, I let him play a drow in disguise. Yes, it was probably a bad idea. Had fun tormenting Jim by implying he knew intimate details about the boy's beloved Felosiel. 
After and both wizard and druid absolutely adored Meepo. Meepo. I still don't know why. At the end of the adventure, the wizard arranged to have Erky secretly sold into slavery without the druid knowing, and then seduced Felosio while Jim was stuck on guard duty. Something that is still talked about to this day. And guess what? Meepo. When given the option of leaving both Jim and Meepo behind and continue on alone, the party decided to bring both of them to the next town. Meepo went on to become a rogue, and Jim went on to become a corrupted mercenary thanks to the party's bad influence. We all had a blast. So what do you guys think now? Obviously, I th- do things differently today. Not cling to a module, try not to mod- uh, run more than one NPC at a time, etc. But I've spoken with my players, and they actually enjoyed the GMPC's presence. Was this a fluke, or was I doing something right? Should GMPCs be permanently blacklisted, or can they be a tool for good? I know what I think, but I want to hear from Stork. Cheers, Willow. P.S. Sorry for the length, said no woman ever. Ever. <laughs> Take a drink. Okay, Stork, you want to hear from you first? Uh, you know, I, I think it was a fluke. Um, uh, part of what I think uh, it rescued you on this is that nobody had ever played before. The and fluke. so you were having and actually was maybe even holding their hand a bit with the GMPCs and encouraging the role play by being in the parties <clears> themselves. <throat> Uh, had it been experienced players, I think you probably would have had a completely different experience. I think your players probably would have rebelled and probably been very pissed off. And I think Meepo would have been slaughtered first time they saw him. Meepo! Um, Thank I, you. I don't, I don't, I, I, w- I would say that those were just three NPCs. Those were GMPCs. That does not fit my definition of a GMPC. So just for those of us who are new, what is the difference between an NPC and a GMPC? Um, the first time I heard the term GMPC, Mm-hmm. Uh, was in I think it was in a horror story yep. yeah. and it was basically the GM was playing a member of the party it was a D&D game okay. and he he's like was playing a character and, and basically playing on both sides of the GM screen All right. he was the GM but he was also playing a character who got experience and took actions and he took his turn in combat and did all sorts of things like that. And it was his character. So how and much I, agency did the character have? I mean, obviously, he's like rolling on total both sides of it. So he would say, okay, I'm going to attack this character and then yeah. basically flip the chessboard around and then... Exactly. Yeah. And what made it, to me, what made it a GMPC is the fact that in the, the GM is not separating the line between GM and player. Mm-hmm. Um, not just... Not just say, okay, now I'm GMing, now I'm now I'm the player, but allowing himself to metagame and basically creating a Mary Sue. Okay. And I think when you cross that line, it, this to me just sounds like she's playing NPCs that are helping fill out the party. Yeah. And sure. that to me, a GMPC implicit <clears throat> in the name is negative because the GM is playing the PC in such a way that it becomes, quote-unquote, their character. Yeah, so you I guess the question... Saying? Yeah, would the question I have is, if would she play Jim or... Meepo! On, in an adventure that she was not running, right? Because if that's the case, then it's a GMPC. But an NPC is based, you know, strictly as a background character that just has been pushed to the front to a bit. Right, yeah, I, I'm, yeah. Stu's, Stu's on to something with the whole metagaming thing. If if this if if the GM is making decisions based on what they know, 
they're cheating the party too because all of a sudden their barbarian goes, oh, I'm not going to go through the door first. Somebody else go through first because he knows what's behind the door. Sure, and, right. and he doesn't want his character to get killed. Right. right. That's 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 the classic definition of a GMPC. But why stork? Why don't you want to have your berserker go through this door first? But but I think that having a GM or having an NPC follow the party around can be a GMPC. But if you're if you're not you have to divorce yourself. You have to not metagame, I guess, and you have to divorce yourself from the, what the knowledge like you have. Sure. Sounds like she, like like you say, Stu, she was doing a very good job of just having them be NPCs. Yeah, that's what they should be. Mm-hmm. But it's hard as a GM to not play the character with that knowledge. Here, here is here is how I'm I'm going to define it for the purposes of Happy Jack's RPG podcast. Because <laughs> I can do this. Write it down, kids. If you are playing an NPC. Uh-huh. And and you as the GM uh, do not have a vested interest in what happens to that character. Uh, if you do not uh, metagame to make that character advance or uh, come out it better, uh, if that NPC does not overshadow the player characters, okay. then what you are playing is an NPC. Okay. If you do have skin in the game for this NPC... If it is overshadowing your players, if it is becoming the central part of the story, or it is becoming a distraction away from the player characters, then you're playing a GMPC. And splitting the loot. And well, no, you could, I, I, that and I think NPC would be fine. Could totally I take think their that, share, yeah. if, if if the party has a guy come in because you've got two monks and a cleric and they need someone with a sword, and you, I don't know why that sounds funny to me. So these two monks and a cleric walk into a, a tower. <laughs> but but they, if they say they need some guy to fight with them, and he says, "Well, but I'm going to get my share of the loot," right? That's <laughs> a perfectly acceptable thing for an NPC to say. Yeah, or not a GMPC. I'm saying, well, I'm going to get that right. vorpal sword, and they're like, but uh, <laughs> well, you guys you... can't use it. I'm, I'm, I'm the sword guy. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, Meepo's got a vorpal sword. <laughs> Meepo. So I... <laughs> <laughs> well, especially specifically, like in here, talked about like Meepo followed the party around, staying and, out like, of combat. Jim just acted in a certain way every time, like charging into combat. Right, and she did say that she was uh, like rolling dice for tactics. But eventually, she just said, "Here, you tell him what to do, and he'll react." Right, right. right. Which that, is a, that's signs almost of, more like of a regular... henchman or a hireling. He'll, he'll yeah. right, right. Yeah. <laughs> I I guess you're right, Stuart. In a way, she's basically created hirelings, kind of, and and because Meepo just would stay in back and like you know. Meepo. Say Meepo, I guess. And then... Yeah. Um, um, I can't give up my voice. Uh, <laughs> and then Jim would only do what was told. But what was the other one? There was... Uh, oh. Uh, uh, Erky. Er, yeah. Erky yeah, yeah, yeah. Sexy times. I'm not, yeah, I'm not yeah. up on Erky. Sexy Played times by Cillian Murphy. <laughs> <laughs> so... I guess like, the takeaway okay, is rough. that I, it really wasn't DMPCs. <laughs> but if if you are if you are playing a character, or if you if you decide you want an NPC in somebody's party, you have to be very careful about how you if play that. If character. you're doing it badly, if you're if you're robbing the spotlight from the player characters, sure, then you're playing a GMPC. But these are NPCs. That to me, when the NPC suddenly becomes so important to the GM that it becomes its own character, right? Yeah. And the player. If, Walks across the table, figuratively, and sits down with the rest of the party with his character sheet. It's like playing chess with yourself. Jim and Meepo. <laughs> Meepo. 
solving the big puzzle at the end of the dungeon Terrible. and defeating the bad guy while the party was stuck down another corridor, not the way to go. No. Jim and Meepo following the party along, helping them out because they would just be dead otherwise. Oh, yeah, okay. And listening to what the party says for them to do. and Sure. You know. Or the whole time Meepo was like a secretly polymorphed ancient wizard. <laughs> <laughs> that uh, was just getting Played intelligence. Played by Christopher Lee. Yes. <laughs> Meepo was actually the polymorph dragon. It, it was yeah, it was. Around, it was right. Meepo. <laughs> Meepo. I can't even get my voice low enough to do that. Christopher Meepo. Lee voice. But... Hey, there you go. You got that one. Meepo. Or like, like, uh, the best I can get is like the uh, like Mumra from Thundercats. <laughs> Ancient spirits of evil. Okay, Baby Cakes <laughs> says, The GMPC always winds up with the rod of lordly might. <laughs> That's what I call Sorry. my penis. Uh, ring of <laughs> invisibility and the bag of infinite holding while everyone else gets a plus one dagger or a healing potion. It's funny, I call my junk the... Uh, the <laughs> bag of holding? <laughs> no, the invisible... Ring of invisibility with a bag of holding. Yeah. <laughs> Trust me, it's there. You just can't see it. <laughs> Would you like to hold my bag of holding? No, I'd rather you look at my dick of many things. <laughs> what? Oh, it's snowing. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, fireball. I'm really sorry. <laughs> that never happens to me. I should have that look. Oh, sphere of annihilation. Uh, <laughs> hey, thanks for the letter, Willow. Oh, yeah. Thank you very much. Props. From so, Jason. Yeah, go ahead. We don't disagree with you. We disagree with your premise. <laughs> right. <laughs> you are doing a fine job, we think. Yes. And congratulations for stepping up in GM. That's awesome. Yeah. yeah. Everyone well done. Do that. That's Especially really what this is all about. with under a year of gaming experience. Yep. Yeah, jump in. To a bunch first, of new man. people. Yeah, yeah. Rock Good on. on you, Willow. Props from Jason. Hey, crew. Given that my gaming sessions have shrunk to once a month... I have more time to prep. I have taken to creating player packs that I mail to my group. Ooh. For example, the upcoming Vampire One-Shot pack included a letter from their lord outlining the one-shot plot, plastic vampire teeth, <laughs> sunglasses, and a blood capsule, one of those gross capsules you bite down on to bleed fake blood from your mouth. Like what a mongoose. Yeah. <laughs> What props have you used in your games, and which ones have had the most impact? Keep jacking. Uh, I see what I've done wrong. Every time I played a vampire, I've never bitten down on a mongoose to get the blood. I see See now that would be better. It's just wily. <laughs> yeah. Rudyard Kipling never wrote anything like that. Uh, actually, I can answer that one. I, uh, I was running a conspiracy game and in modern time, and I actually had... One of the NPCs have a Tumblr uh, site. So what would happen is that basically once the uh, the, the players found the URL for the uh, Tumblr site, they you know said, "Well, I, I look it up. Tell me what happens." And I said, "Well, why don't you look it up?" And so they went to the site. Ah. And so they all saw all the pictures, and so they thought, "Oh, that's a cute little thing," and they moved on. And Later down the line, what they didn't realize is that the fo one nice thing about Tumblr as a, a microblogging site is that you can time and schedule photos or, or or entries 
to happen. So I actually you scheduled can? it. Oh yeah, oh, for I didn't know dates that. and times. But I would actually schedule it during gameplay when I knew <sighs> we were going to be doing it. So what happened at one point is that the players were being followed by this NPC, and they had told me what their characters had looked like, and so I had scheduled photos of their characters to appear on the Tumblr site. So at one point they said, well, okay, well, what, what's happening? I said, well, why don't you go look at the site? And so they were looking at it saying, well, I don't see anything. And they said, all right, well, refresh, refresh. And then they saw their mo- their, themselves come up on the site. Like wanted posters? Yeah. Well, more online that they were being like watched oh. and it was in real time. Freaked them out like nobody's yeah. business. It changed the game for them because then they realized they, they weren't just being uh, followed by an NPC, but there, there was an NPC that was actively chasing them, at least in the game, of course. You know, Otherwise, yeah. you know, that's a little creepy. And, and that was probably the best site I've ever done. Uh, another buddy of mine, he had done, he was doing a, a D&D game, and he gave the players in the very beginning a, a painting from like their lord or something like that. He actually had a little painting that had been done. And they looked at it and went, oh, that's cool, and they put it in the back. Well, six games later they found out that the map that they were looking for was actually in the painting that he had given them like six weeks prior. So they had to cut the thing open in the back and nice. went, oh my God, oh, I have stuff to map. It was like they had opened up like, like King Solomon's mind. It was the best. It's so, like finding the map sewn into the back of the jacket in Ishtar. Absolutely. Or the tattooed skull in uh, on, uh, with the, uh, the stupid pirate movie. Anyway. Stupid pirate! It's uh, it's uh, you uh, can't just drop that and walk away. What well, okay. Of all the pirate movie? movies out there, this is the word Cutthroat Island. I believe the guy had a, had the map tattooed to the top oh. of his head. Wasn't that Cutthroat Island? It was terrible. Uh, it was awful. It was like the world's worst pirate movie. Gina Davis is the pirate queen, and Matthew Matthew Modine. Modine. Really terrible. That oh yeah, awful. That and ended. Like, uh, I love me some Gina Davis. She's a tall, you know, warrior goddess. But that yeesh. ended the the studio that put it out. That I believe it killed did. the studio. It was <laughs> that bad. Yeah, they put a lot of money in it. It, it, it just ruined it. Although Frank Langella is really good in it. He's always good, even in bad movies. He was even good at Skeletor. So. Oh, yeah. He, he actually is proud of that role. Is he? Oh, yeah. Wow. And he loved it. He said, oh, I love that role. Did it. Just enjoyed it. In fact, from what I've read, he helped coach Dolph Lundgren to become a better actor. Well, he couldn't have been any worse. I'm just saying, yeah. like, what we have now, thank it, Frank Langella for bringing it up a notch. They shot that, when I was going to college, they shot that in the Whittier area, like oh, yeah. downtown, and so occasionally we would all wander down after parties and watch them shoot this thing, and we were like, Masters of the Universe? What yeah. is going on? Yeah, it's like, that's downtown Whittier before the earthquake. No <laughs> shit! When I went to college, yeah. It's really? funniest thing. Uh, anyway, back to props. Stu's all about the props. He he doesn't know it, but he does. He, he you you come up with fans for for the for the, yeah. the L five R game. When you did your Ghostbusters, you had maps of the L A area. Yeah. You had clues written down. You have recently you had your daughter write out uh, letters. letters in the in the vampire game that I'm running with wax stamps. Yeah, I've got nice. wax seals and stuff like that. Um, the and I, I like to do uh, to to begin it. I like to do like a newspaper or something like yeah. that. If it's modernish, that's how you that's, ended up with the bear. That's how we ended up killing a bear. In, I think in, my in most a game where you're supposed to be hunting I, Nazis. I, I love props. <laughs> I think our most prop heavy game that from the from the freak show was probably the Fairy Realm one. Yeah, yeah. Where I had uh, I actually had them. 
I had a door, and the door was in pieces at the, at the base of this castle because they're in the Fey Realm, and they had to figure out how to get in. So they assembled the door, but there were two doors when they were done, and they had to figure out which door would take them into the castle. Nice. So I had these doors, and I cut them up in pieces, and they had to figure it out and put them all together. I also, I've had substitution puzzles, like uh, when they were hunting for Grendel, they, were, yeah, you know, they, they, they had the Nordic thing that they deciphered. So I, I, love, I love me some props. And I, that comes to me, not only from Stu's Ghostbuster, but it comes from all the investigative games, so the Cthulhu game. And I was really inspired by the Gumshoe, the Gumshoe Trail of Cthulhu, mm-hmm. um, which has all of these uh, tickets and uh, matchbook covers. Oh, well, they're, <clears throat> uh, what is the name of it? Mass of Nyarlathotep. That's it. Yeah, yeah. That in the, the back... It's got 20 cigarettes pages of that book. And it's got newspaper covers and clippings. newspaper clippings. It's so Everything awesome. You can think of. And you Xerox it on paper and you can cut it up and hand it out. And so it really immerses you, I think. It, it especially ha- to investigate. It actually has a matchbook that they've like flattened out yeah. with the little dotted lines. So you can print the thing on cardstock, mm-hmm. cut it out, fold it up, put the staple in it. You can actually go. Take a matchbook apart and put actual staples yep. or, or that's cool. matches. matches in it. Yeah. It's a full-on movie-quality prop, and the yeah. whole book's full of that. But there's also some sites that before this thing had come out that you get H.P. Lovecraft. Oh, yeah, the uh, uh, cigarette pack. Uh, cigarette packs. Mm-hmm. There's yeah. there's dry-cleaning tickets. There's uh, train tickets, airplane tickets, all sort of like from uh, the 30s and 40s. It was so te- awesome. Telegrams. Telegrams. Yeah. Right. There's, in fact, there's a web page where you can type – just type – all the information you want in right. it, and it will print it out. And he just and I love that paper. stuff. Yeah. Uh, Stu also with his with his uh, what the, was it? No, it wasn't the modus. And it was the it was the, it was your conspiracy game in your in your mm-hmm. game, where you oh, yeah. actually set up a URL and a web page that we would go through. Yeah, you guys never actually saw the, the video. We never went to it and got. No, it, I, yeah. I made a video for it, which <laughs> is I think it's on YouTube somewhere. <laughs> I think I, I think I made a fake account and put it on YouTube. That's funny. Um, but I, I also did for the Moda Sin, the vampire game I'm running right now. I have a Tumblr Tumblr blog that's mm-hmm. associated with a um a Twitter account, mm-hmm. and I will tweet stuff that happens in the course of the game. I'll say, "Oh, I just there's so the party knows that there's mortals out there." That are seeing what's happening, but sure. maybe haven't quite connected the dots yet. It, that's when you're doing conspiracy games; those are great because then you can, you know, provide that information, but not have to like hand it to them, and right. so they can. You don't have to be Basil Exposition at that moment, having to just you know give them the information. They can go look it up at their own time. Mm-hmm. The problem with with props is you sometimes you like all right. I'm going to give them a map, and I'm going to put like the murders on the on the map, right? And, you, and if they put them together, it'll right. And then you drop it to them, and they go, "Oh, that's cool." And you're like, "Oh yeah." But there's stuff there, like the painting. But there's there's clues. Oh great, they're never going to figure that out. Or you have a thief in the party who finds the props and then, and then stuffs ta- them in his bag of holding, bag of holding, and never and, shows them to the rest and of the leaves party. it there and never touches right. it again. And then and then claims he's not a thief. Right. I'm a bard. <laughs> I'm a rogue. <laughs> Well, uh, for um, the other side of the coin, not from the GM angle, uh, for Tim's uh, online vampire game that I'm playing in, is he is he stepping up to that, or is he, is he is he he? Do we need to give him some public shit? Yeah, let's do it. Let's do it. Uh, in no, the chat room. He, he, he's uh, a game that I engage. He, uh, Engage shit. So he started this game, and it took off like gangbusters. Right. And I absolutely agree. Like, it it was a lot. Like, it's a lot of work. 
how often were you playing? It's a play-by-post. It's a play-by-post oh, okay. message board game. There's, what, 30 but, players in it or something like that? Uh, it got players? up to like 15 okay. at one point. A lot have dropped out because Tim disappeared for like three weeks. Asshat. Uh, and then he came back in force and like caught all caught up. Uh-huh. And we all were excited and we all started writing out posts and stuff that incorporated NPCs and things like that. And now he's been gone for a little while again. Uh, so he just has to work on the consistency. The game's great and things are going really well. But in the game, I decided to try and make a Toreador that mm-hmm. was completely not the stereotypical artsy-fartsy Toreador. I was like, what could I do? What could I do? So I thought, I'm going to make a video gaming streaming YouTube star. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That somebody like, was uh, like PewDiePie or yeah, yeah. exactly <laughs> along that kind of line. Sure. Yeah, that's that's no, no, his no, whole that, deal. Actually, that's really cool because uh, that kind of uh, archetype is great because it shows what was it thirteenth, twelfth gen, maybe. No, I well, I went with a different direction. Okay, well, but my point <laughs> but, being is that that allows you to really play up the whole thing about you know new art versus old art, which is which is yeah. great for Toriador, where it's like. You know, they can be kind of a caste system where they're saying, you know, well, your art is trendy or whatever. But if it's popular, you know, it really balances out the whole concept of what, you know, the, the struggle of the jihad. In, like, in, in I, I tried to make a character that was all about these crazy dichotomies. Like, okay, cool. So I am a very new vampire. I was only embraced like three years before the game started. Mm-hmm. But the sire that decided to embrace me was 7th Gen. <laughs> oh, holy shit. Okay. Like, I spent all the points on that background. Right. I was like, so that I'm actually really powerful, but I'm still very new. <laughs> right. And I still look at the world through the lens of the late 2000s. Mm-hmm. Sure. So, like, uh, like there's a, this the primogen of the Toreador in the game is like a 1920s movie star. And she smokes the cigarettes constantly on the long cigarette holder stick and all of that. And, like, the very first scene, I was like, God, that is such a filthy habit. (laughs) Just stop. We're inside, for God's sake, and this is California. (laughs) Like, what are you doing? We don't breathe, darling. (laughs) I'm ready for my close-up now. (laughs) But, yeah, I was just like, I just wanted to play, like, the complete weird things but what i did was i actually did set up a youtube channel i actually did set up a twitter account nice and make like a logo and all that jazz and like i post on the twitter based on things my guy is involved in in the game like tonight we're really off and doing stuff which is kind of weird because a lot of the older vampires are like we move at a snail's pace because why the fuck would we hurry we got plenty of time. Right? <laughs> exactly. Nothing but time. And I'm totally like, let's do this! Come on! Let's go! But, yeah. It's, <laughs> uh, it's fun. Sam, in the Q&A, props help immerse the players into the game world so they can better role-play their characters. They should enhance, not distract. What I find about props is it actually... It's actually, it breaks the fourth wall almost. All yeah. of a sudden, the players are now actively involved in solving a puzzle that their characters are in as well so uh, you'll see the players as characters or maybe even not 
putting together puzzles or you know working out and talking to each other and it's it's a one more level i think of role playing it's not quite their characters interacting it's, it's not quite close. the players I mean, it, it's it's this blend when you have those moments when they get the players together and they sit down and they get all of the props and clues and notes they yeah. have and, and they all sp- that happened in the uh-huh. fourth edition D game i ran years ago they spread them all out on the table and they say mm-hmm. okay we need to sit and figure this out and you guys happen to be in a tavern at the time that and then, and then there's like a, a very par- there's a parallel between what's happening in the fiction and what's happening uh-huh. at the table quite literally because you're sitting down okay let's sit down and figure all this shit out we have tons of information let's see if we can figure out I love that shit. I do too. The problem yeah. that I find with that is, I, I love it too. You know, the the crutch that happens is that players will say, "Well, I've got a a twelve in like puzzle solving, so I'm just gonna not even think about it. I'm just gonna roll." Or my character will know that. Shut up. No. You know what? what you, you know, you're taking the fun out of this, you know? I mean, I've been sitting here working for the past 96 hours and putting this together. Come on, help me help you. Right. Uh, I have an 18 intelligence. I don't think I need to solve. I, I rolled a 20. <laughs> I critted. I figured. Uh, so tell me what the answer is to the puzzle so we can keep going. <laughs> right. What? No. Well, that's fun. <laughs> that's what the, the game I'm designing, that's why it doesn't have an intelligence score. <laughs> Well, you're, you're, you are your character's intelligence. So when, Unless when you, you want to play them smarter. When you go and have a riddle off of the dragon, you actually have to come yeah. up with riddles and answer yeah. them. Yeah. You can't just roll your way out. The of closest them. thing to intelligence is perception. Okay. One of the stats is perception. Uh, thank you very much, Jason. Very, very uh, love that stuff. Oh, wait. Props. Wait. Not a question, but a comment. I wanted to let Dave know that I have lost my DM to his damn spirit of 77 game. <laughs> After playing at Strategicon, Strategicon, he won't stop talking about how awesome Spirit is. There you go. That's there you go. Kurt. You got some. You got my fan love right there. What game did they play? I'm just. I'm uh, not sure. Kurt, let us know what game. Which Kurt is that? Kurt uh, Rollmaster. I don't want to say his last. Yeah. Oh, all right. Yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah. All right. I don't know if he wants to see his last. There's like three Kurtz on that are involved with this podcast. Yes, least. there are. Yeah. There are many Kurtz. Of the many Kurtz, uh, I think there's actually like four. There might be. Yeah. All right. There's. Help! Uh, thank you for that. Oh, help needing for returning help needed for returning GM from Corbin Trois. Multipass? Yeah, Corbin Trois. It's a Trois Corbies. Get it? As I, I was that, walking uh, on the lane, I, I heard, heard Trois Corbies about uh, two ravens eating uh, eating a knight's eyeball. That's yeah, right. Trois Corbies. I get it. That's a it's a joke there. I wonder if he named that at us or if it's, it's a, Scottish. I Trois Corbies. Two ravens. I am whacking doing the lane. Dude, don't spit on me. Uh, dear Happy Jackals, it's I me. I thought that was what you liked. It's me. <laughs> it's Corbin T. Not the face. Last time. <laughs> Not in the hair. <laughs> you win. You win. <laughs> I read a I read an article once about a about a porn star. They were talking about what? just dishing on the porn movies. <laughs> Thank you for reading and the article. And Peter North. Peter North, I guess, uh, he had one rule. Uh, you probably recognize Peter North. He was in like all of the porn movies in, ever. No, back you, before, I've never back heard before this Viagra. He, I guess he had one rule, which Peter, is... P- what? Peter, Peter, Peter North. North. <laughs> wow. He had one rule, which is don't fuck with his hair. So, oh, yeah, really? yeah. He says it takes me a long time to get it this way, so don't touch my hair. So like, whenever he's just banging some chick, they, his hair is perfect. They really? don't touch his hair. I... I <laughs> Next time you go look at a Peter North movie, just see how his hair. The never more you awesome. know, <laughs> the less fun it is. 
Knowledge is power. <laughs> don't fuck with Peter oh, North Korea, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> yeah. Just don't do it. Remember, kids. He, he played in a game where no one showed up, so he jumped in and dragged my girlfriend in with him. She won't even play games with me, and she joined Spirit. I don't know what that would have been. Right. You said you, you had sp- space and a kind uh, of girl jumped in? It, yeah, I think... It w- I'm assuming this is the last con, a last strategic con. It may yes. have been the one uh, called Life in the... Uh, Life in the... No, Nine Lives in the Fast Lane, which is actually something I'd like to run you guys through, uh, which was a, a secret game that we were doing. So okay. I, if I think that... It, I, if, I think uh, Girlfriend may be from Temecula, maybe? You know, anyway. Maybe. Yeah, so I know which game he's talking about. Okay. It's Sorry, me, Corbin. it's me, it's Corbin T. Hi, Corbin T. Meepo. Last time I wrote, I gifted you a horror story, and I <gasps> swore you would hear from me again. And now, like the poltergeist in my basement, I'm back. Ta-da! Straight to business. <clears throat> After far too long hiatus of GMing, I decided to get back into the captain's chair and run for my group. Run! I filled it once or twice for D&D encounters, but <laughs> I've got two major issues lurking at the bottom of the pool, and I could use some help before diving in. The first is an issue with the size of my group. <laughs> Nine Sorry. people, including myself. Okay, what game is it? D&D Encounters? Nine yeah. people. Hmm. So, oh, yeah, go on, go on. That's right. I was just doing a little math there, which I'm not my strong D&D Encounters, they do that in fifth, or is that still fourth? I, I don't know. It used to be fourth. I think it was a fourth thing. I don't, Gina would know, but she's not. At the time of this writing, everybody is always invited to play in every game. For mm-hmm. those of you playing at home, this one that's one GM running for eight players every Saturday. There you go. I've done it before, and I could do it again if I must, but I know the game would go more smoothly if everyone involved if there were less people at the table. Yep. That being said, I don't want to be the guy to stand up and tell half the group they aren't allowed to play. Is there anything I can do that won't make me look like an elitist or an asshole? Do we want to pause there and answer that? Well, when I run games at, con- at conventions, I run with five players. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I would prefer to run with four. Yeah, you, we used to say five was a sweet spot, but I think you've actually sort of toned it down to four. Four is awesome. I do Freak Show with six, and that's okay. But again, it might be sort of system dependent, too. I think with fourth edition, I think one is too many. <laughs> the, here, here's the thing. When I'm coming up with like uh, uh, pregens for a, a con, sure, I can always easily come up with four or five interesting concepts. Mm-hmm. Yeah, usually <clears throat> four. That fifth one starts to be a struggle, and that sixth one, it's like, okay, what isn't covered? What right. base isn't I've covered? Got the range, what I got skill a tank, set? Is I got a healer, or, or, or yeah. however, sure. What and, and you end up making someone who basically does stuff that. A couple other people do, yeah, but you got, it's not quite as you well. You got the ranger, so yeah, right. you can't do anything right. He right. just dies. And so, so in that sense, to me, it's much easier to make fewer characters. And then the other thing is, it's the smaller the group is, the easier it is to manage. Right. The easier it is to make sure that everyone gets time in the spotlight. Yeah. You can say, okay, oh well, the the, the this character, the the computer hacker hasn't had a chance to do anything yet mm-hmm. so the next the next thing they come up to it's going to have a, a you know some sort of security electronic security lock on it so he's going to have to figure out how to break through it or whatever right and now you give them a spotlight because you've given them a task because you've only, custom it, built it, just for them gming is a lot like spinning plates right, right. and you can be you're a better yeah. plate spinner the fewer plates you have it doesn't uh, look as impressive <laughs> but those plates stay up there better <laughs> I don't mind bigger groups uh-huh. when it's pre-gen. 
It, oh, I'm sorry. I don't mind bigger groups when they're pre-gens because then I can actually kind of drive the focus. Sure. Uh, you know, the, the strategic cons, you know, we do a lot of uh, the pre-gens just because it's a convention. It takes about a half hour to make, you know, characters anyway. So it's, sometimes I find it just better to just say, okay, we're going to run Cruise Ship of the Damned, which is the downloadable adventure from right. our website or another one, which is uh, the group. The players are uh, the former cast of a 1960s sci-fi show that is being brought together for the game convention. Yeah, right. you, I think uh, a couple Bill, of people actually did that at the last. Bill played in that. Right, right. he yeah. loved it. Yeah. And, yeah. So, but basically, when it's a larger group and it's pre-gens, it's easier for me to say, okay, I can kind of manipulate so everybody gets the spotlight mm-hmm. and everybody, you know, can has a same frame of reference to say okay we're all part of the same show or we're still here it's a little more complicated when you have people you know bringing their own characters or making them up then and it's a larger party because then you making sure that they all have connections with one another that's a little bit more of a challenge you know right i mean but but i mean you probably agree with this if you have fewer characters and you want to make sure you're spreading the spotlight out Having f- fewer players will, ha- will get more time in the spotlight. Sure. So, generally speaking, I would think the players are going to have a better time at a smaller table. Um. Well, okay. When, when we were talking about uh, the actual play for Spirit of 77, we had five at the table, I believe, yeah. right? Yeah. So, what was kind of interesting, you know, Stork had brought up that... Uh, you know that I was not afraid to split the party, and and normally I'm not actually. I don't have a problem with the the parties gro- going into two groups or, or you know three at a at a pinch. But it, it's easy to have two groups or, or to have it split because one group was chasing after the other one. Sure, you know? yeah. so yeah. it's not so bad with larger groups if you know it's splinters as long as at the GM or the DJ or the DM or however you want to encourage them to you know quote unquote bring a buddy so if you know if Dave said okay I'm going to go off on you know you know if we're in the game here you know I'm going to go off into the living room to go check stuff out as the GM my question would be okay who's going with him and that's not me telling you guys to go with him because that's me kind of railroading and forcing somebody to do it but by me doing that it encourages you know to have larger groups and then it's easier for me to manage and sure. also it's a little bit easier to say okay you guys are working on one tangent as these gr- guys right. are working on a different and some t- in some ways they conflict a- as what happened in the actual play where you guys were chasing after uh Stu's character because Stu's character had written the bad article about uh Bill's character so it worked out to even though you guys were <laughs> on two different wavelengths you were still part of the same narrative. Sure. And so it worked great. But that's a little easier when you have pre-gen characters in a convention because then you're saying, okay, I'm setting the stage. Y'all are, are, are basically going in on the, 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 uh, the setup I've given you. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it, you know, it's apples and oranges, it's what you feel more comfortable with. But I don't have a problem with larger groups if I have a little bit more... A uh, chance to give direction in the beginning, right? Know. Okay. Uh, the last time I played a part of the apocalypse game, I think it was with Mike Royas. Royas, if you're listening, Mike, I'm sorry I butchered your name. It's Polish and it had a J in it with a Z, and it's hard to figure it out. But which, which one was it? Uh, he uh, he made it up as we went along. We all showed up and we rolled up characters, um, and then he just was it Apocalypse World, you know, proper. I think or? it was Dungeon World. Okay. 
But my point being that he, we started in separate places and he ended up bringing us all together. And he did what you did, which is, all right, pause for a minute, and went back and forth and eventually bringing it all together. He's very good at tying up all those loose ends and bringing this, the, the story together. It's, it's sort of unique to that system. Yeah. Um, well, you know, we talk about it in, in the books that we wrote where if you're doing that, again, you have to be very – uh, present about making sure that you turn the channel, you know, if you want to call it that. We are saying, okay, you two guys are in the middle of, the, you know, investigating the living room, going back to that example, and then Dave and Stu find a bomb in the middle of the room, and then what are you doing, Stu? So that basically leaves you guys on a, on the, on a cliffhanger while I deal yeah. with what Stu's doing, and Stork. then when I come back, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, Stork. <laughs> that happens all Stork. the time. Don't Stu, Stork, Stork, okay, Dave, okay. Yeah. what are you going to do, Meepo? <laughs> Okay. <laughs> so the point being is I still have you guys on the edge of your seat because you know that whatever's going to happen next is going to be very right. dynamic. And you're not going to not going to get distracted by something. We're certainly not going to take our phones out when we know we just discovered a bomb. Right. right. So, <laughs> so basically hey, a bomb. Ah, fuck it. Twitter. Yeah, so you <laughs> So it's not so bad when you have, you know, you're doing from left to right or one group or the other, but you need to make sure that you leave it at a situation to keep the interest going while you switch, you know, scenes. Sure. I, 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 so what you're saying really is a large party is fine, you just have to work harder at it. Yeah, unfortunately. Okay. <laughs> I I think I I would say that a large party is actually a lot easier with a lot of experience role players yeah uh sometimes um one thing we get a lot at convention games is we get people who you know and we make it very clear it's like we have no problem if you've never played before you know and i'm not trying mm-hmm. to make this into a pitch for a game or anything but you know it, it's one of those things that you know if you have people who are brand new they don't necessarily have a problem going with the flow you know if you're saying sure. okay i have no idea what's going on so i'm going to follow stork on this one and stork's saying go kill that guy okay it oh pope all right bye pope and then i don't have a problem because at <laughs> least i'm using him as an anchor to you know to get engaged in the game so right. it really again it depends on the player and how you want to engage them. And the player yeah. side, I actually prefer smaller groups as well. I I find there's less conflict. I find there's more spotlight. I know with your 4E game, when you had 11 people at one point, as wow. much as I love playing and as much as I love your GMing, there were long periods where we couldn't do anything. We 11 people? Combat. And really? I, stupid. And I was stupid. trying so hard not yeah. to look at my phone. But there were times when I'm stacking dice and I'm just checked out because it's going to be... 25 minutes before something comes back to me. It's a problem of not wanting to say no to everyone. <laughs> yeah. Well, it was also your first game back into the hobby yeah, for that's a true. very and, long and time. What a surprise. I knew a bunch of role players and didn't even know it. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So this email is not done yet. There's okay. more. But oh, wait. There's more. Oh. Turn the page. Over warning. Order today and you'll receive. My second problem involves the type of group I've gotten into. Except for myself and maybe one other person, they're a bunch of power gaming murder hobos. Yeah. Caring purely about you. getting their numbers up as high as possible so they can stomp a mud hole in monsters' asses <laughs> and walk them dry. Yeah. Story to them is little more than the hand that points hmm. to what they should kill next. <laughs> Whereas I love the story, preferring the preferring to spell role play R O L E rather than R O L L. 
I build characters to fit a concept rather than for optimal stats, God, which drives them all insane. Of course it does. And would be more, hap- more than happy to spend a game arguing in character about what to do with Sauron's ring of power. Power! Do you, power. Do you have any advice on how to balance the game between being something they would like to play and I would actually like to run? Should I just point out, should I, should I just point to the bad things and say, sick them? <laughs> Thanks for everything you do. I'll write in again soon. Look in your inbox at the first light on the fifth day at dawn. Look to the east. Cheers. Corbin Twy. I almost said Twy Corby's. P.S. Drink. I don't drink. So feel free to drink Uh again on my behalf. Repeat as necessary. P.P.S. Though I thoroughly enjoy the show, I'm afraid I have to give you a one-star review on iTunes because there's just not enough burping. Gentlemen, let us indulge. Uh, I need more beer. Ho oh, ho! No, no, that's all right. <laughs> One's enough. I got nothing. <laughs> I got nothing. Uh, so, uh, yeah, how can we solve this problem with power gamers? And you can't. Well, no. Well, if you're GMing, you, you have a responsibility <laughs> to try to give the the players the kind of game they want. And if you know them, and you know this guy likes a lot of combat. This guy likes his character to get a bunch of cool stuff. Okay. What's wrong with doing that? I mean, why would you not want to give the players the game they want to play? Because he wants to give them props and stuff, and they're just going to like set the painting aside and never look at He them. hates them. He wants Shh. them to die. No, GMs love their players. You want, <laughs> but you, you want your players to have a good time, right? But it sounds like they... No, I want to win. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck those people. <laughs> But you're the GM, Dev. It's well, easy to uh, win. That's yeah. basically what he says. <laughs> exactly. He just but, says, but you don't have an active player, Dave. It sounds like every <laughs> single bad guy is my guy. <laughs> but, but but Dave, Meepo, he's got a poison dagger. He's gonna stab the shit out of the first guy that turns his. Hell yes. Yeah. <laughs> that's how you fuck with a power gamer. Yeah. Meepo shoots first. Right. No, you guys are all power gamers, so I optimize Meepo. Yeah, he's a motherfucker <laughs> here's, now. Here's the, best, yeah. <laughs> here's the best way you can fuck with a power gamer group like that. You give them a scenario where they can't kill stuff. Or you let them get it out of their system, where basically it's yeah. like you get to that point where the big bad is like, oh, we can't kill this. Oh, what do we do now? Yeah, make them run away. Like, that give never- them a scenario that no matter how optimized they are, they cannot win. They'll just be pissed, though. Or handicap them. Like, say, okay, you're going after, you know, Rust Monster, and your weapons will get effed up if you do it. You know, are you willing to, you know, roll that die? Well, I'm optimized for hand-to-hand combat, so I take off my armor and I'm a monk. I'm a monk. (laughs) Your hands have turned to rust. I thought the monk quit. That's right. Damn it! Take take a page from, like, 60% of... Japanese RPG video games. Mm-hmm. Let them have their super optimized characters and kill a whole bunch of shit, and then zap them back to level one and take away all their nice stuff. <laughs> oh, that's a rough thing to do. Yeah. And then be like, now we're on my adventure, bitches. Here's some props. <laughs> Christmas is going to suck at your work. house. <laughs> oh, do you yeah. like those toys? Not today. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> 
it sounds to me like he's not having fun running them. It says uh, the very the last paragraph almost is. Do you have any advice on how to balance a game between something that, that they would like to play and I would actually like to run? So yeah, it's not so much that they're not the having question, fun. Actually, the, it's that he's not having fun running it. Or he says, or should I just point to the bad things and say sick them? Well, here's an idea. You know, why don't we try to solve both questions with one answer, which is obviously. You know, he, he's getting a little bit of GM burnout, and that's fair. And he's got too big of a group, right? Yeah. I think at this moment, he probably would do uh, um, the same Willow. That Corbin needs to, uh, you know, pass the baton and mm-hmm. say, okay, I want, you know, I want to be a player. I'm going to hand it, especially, and actually, really, what would be good is hand it to the most, you know, combat heavy guy. Have him do it. Have him specifically run the next game. Yeah. Because it's like, you know, if he's the min-maxer, he's doing it, then, you know, this, I want your game. You know, the stage is yours. I'm having trouble figuring out how to run a game for you guys. You show me. Show me how to run a game. And that that solves two things because, one, then he gets, you know, to have to wear, you know, the the hat. And it also allows him to be able to get another person to potentially, you know, take on GM duties so he could potentially later split. You know what's awesome? And I could see what's going to happen GMPC his character is going to show up smiting everything left and right because he just can't not kill shit it's going to be awesome maybe I mean a, a lot of power gamers I know don't like running they much they prefer playing sure yeah because they, they want to have the character one of the things that they want out of the game is to have the, the character advance um Get the uh, unlock the achievements as right. it were. You know what I mean. And they Th- certainly don't want their own their tactics thrown against them. It's like, no, hey guys, don't break my game. Well, gen- generally speaking, when you do get a, a good power gamer who who runs combats, you ain't gonna beat him. No, because <laughs> they're gonna, yeah. tactically they're usually at least in my experience to me they're superior to me tactically. I am <laughs> no mere hedge wizard, right? <laughs> But on the meta level, that helps because, okay, maybe you're not going to be able to get the guy that's the worst offender of it, but the other ones are going to sit there going, wow, we can't beat this guy. Right. And th- it gives them an opportunity to have the, you know, the afternoon special where they're in, looking at the situation going, uh, this is, you know, I- I'm walking away with a lesson on this. Right. <laughs> oh, oh, shit. The power gamer's running a big bad. Maybe we could talk our way out of this. Wow. Because <laughs> I don't want to fight him. <laughs> All right, Corbin. One to grow on, huh? One to grow. On. One to grow on, and on a very special uh, <laughs> Happy Jacks. Uh, trying to think of a, a Saturday afternoon from the specials. oh, from the seventies. They used to have that small wonders. <laughs> he knows all of the sitcoms. Well, that was actually the eighties, but that was yeah. the one. That is like the the, the love American that style. You just go, one oh. day at a time is what I was thinking. Oh. Yes. On a very special one day at a time. They deal with the fact that Mackenzie Phillips just seems to get thinner. <laughs> and shows up less and less until one day she just isn't there. Hmm. It's that gypsy curse. <laughs> yeah. Thinner. <laughs> uh, Come oh, at me, Noel, from Mitch in Oakland. Oh, you, oh, I think uh, that's who, me. You're going to read this one? Okay. I actually want to do the... The, the Do you want to read it? Go no, for no, it. no, no. I want to read the accented one uh, part down here. You oh, know in between about. brackets? Yeah. Oh, oh, all right, all right. I'll, I will pass it off when we That's get the part I want to read. Very good. <laughs> Come at me, Noel. From Mitch in Oakland. Uh, dear heroes of RPG douchebaggery, 
Mitch from Oakland here. Thank you for this curating, for curating, wait, thank you for this curating, this home of quality RPG douchebaggery. I think there's a comma missing. Thank you for this, curating this home of quality, or, yeah, you forgot yeah, well, to Well, whatever. What? It's happening now. I don't now. know. Uh, it's even better Let's than jerking grandma. off with the hand of Vecna. Did I say that right? I it's like it. Hand Vecna. Oh! <laughs> You've been waiting all fucking night. I'm ready. I'm ready. While most of your listeners seem to listen during commutes to work, I listen when there are goddamn chores to do. I'm with you, bro. That's my life. Yeah. Uh, Dishes, house cleaning, yard work? Yes. Uh, I min-max to the max, motherfucker. <laughs> and thanks for that song. It was on my agenda, you ask, to ask you to make it available, but I do my research first and saw that it was added to iTunes. Yes. Good job. I purchased all the Angry Folk songs. Hey! Yay. Stu is your friend now. Stu got a whole 25 cents. I can't wait for the next time I carpool to a con. Awesome. Uh, there are only two Angry Folk albums, right? At this At this time, yes. What are they called? Uh, let me tell you about my character and Once Upon a Tavern. And when can where can we get them still? iTunes. You get them on iTunes, Amazon Music Store, Google Play Store, CD Baby, and most other music e-tailers. Why, I think everyone should go get one. I do, too. There's just not any hard copies. You can't actually get a full-on CD. Never printed a CD. Yeah. When I do, like, one or two more of them, I'll, do, I'll print a CD of... Because they're five songs each. Yeah. So. Yeah. Uh, I I started listening somewhere around season 9 and listened backwards (laughs) to through season 7. But lately... It actually says, use sexy voice. But lately, mature and experienced Happy Jacks have not been enough. No other RPG podcast satisfies me. And I've tried several. I finally started the sweet, sweet backlog. <laughs> and sexy voice. I don't know if that was sexy, but I just but need I'm, a moment. I'm just <laughs> kind of feeling uncomfortable here. <laughs> Not in a good way. You don't have a windowless van, do you? <laughs> There's a hell of a lot of candy. <laughs> just one with jaws on it. Okay. <laughs> Uh, man, those season one episodes are good. Uh, they reinforce my growing desire for more immersive role-playing. Thanks a lot, douchebag. Go back and listen to that first season. I have, have not listened to those episodes since we did them. Nor will you. <laughs> <laughs> Should I not? Should I not listen? I don't, I don't know. <coughs> I, um, I listen to them. I listen to them because that's before I knew you. Ah. Yeah. Mm. It was post-season one Renaissance Fair. Oh, we okay. made our B team debut. Remember, we were all like talking, and he comes up and goes, "Wait, I, I know, you, I recognize your voice." With a big straw hat. Yeah, yeah. That's back when I had my Panama hat because <laughs> yeah. I was like, "Fuck this immersive environment." I'll wear a Renaissance shirt and a Panama hat. Uh, yeah. Uh, and now the you reason you go, Dave. He was such a rebel back then. Fuck it. Now he's he's got kids and he dresses up. <laughs> Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> no, it's really just like since I've been going every year, since I have reason to go to see all my friends. Because it's like, oh, look, it's the spring. I want to see my friends. I guess I have to go to the fair. 
Uh, all right. <clears throat> uh, and now the reason for... Jesus Christ, this is a long email. <laughs> yeah. Uh, uh-huh. The reason for writing into you, douchebags. Which is not to be confused with nerd fit. Do you have Echo? Studio of Echo? I don't. Oh, too bad. I could add it in post. All right. That's not happening. That's all right. Um, well, f- fix it post. Last week, my buddy Earl wrote into you guys. Um, he needed karma uh, and mentioned that Pathfinder Society venture captains in the Bay Area listen to Happy Jacks religiously, which I do. Stork. Stork, Stork said, "Why haven't they written in when we were talking smack?" <laughs> and Stu said, "No defense. No defense." I've never felt... See, that was reenactment. <laughs> this is just like reenactment right there. Wow. Like, I feel like, like I, should, I was right here. I feel like I should have had it on a trench coat, and there should have been like creepy music first, and I would have been like, good evening, I'm Robert Something Stack. on a theremin. Uh, I've never felt strongly the urge to write in, even when I had the rage a few months back. Rage! But you called me out. There you go. Well, here I am, you lovable douchebags. I'm probably the only Pathfinder Society leader in the Bay Area who listens regularly. But I'll be damned if I don't tell all the PFS players to listen all the friggin' time. Well, thank you. Yeah, look at you. Uh, <laughs> now to go back and tell us why we're wrong about Pathfinder. Fist shake! Right. <laughs> we could go back and forth all day long about what's better, organized play versus home game, mm-hmm. modules versus homebrew, 4th oh, edition versus 5th edition, and on and on. It comes down to, we are all douchebags and we all need to play games. Here, sure. Here. So I'm just going to give you and your listeners my pitch for society. Okay. Pathfinder Society is pulpy high fantasy RPG. The society is comprised of archaeologist adventures and weirdos. Oh, I'm sorry. Archaeologists, adventurers, and weirdos who are on a mission to discover secrets of an ancient world. <laughs> he can't not have a soundtrack. <laughs> yeah, he's making his own. Yeah, yeah. What is that? It's the elevator pitch. Uh, dungeon crawls, political maneuvering, rescue missions, make and break alliances, archaeological digs, kick the dreaded Aspis Consortium in the balls. We do it all. Every game is a different mini-adventure of overarching plots and themes. Playing Pathfinder Society is easy and happens every week. Friendships are forged. There you go. I'm extremely lucky to be part of an amazing community. Wait, <clears throat> sorry, back up. I'm extremely lucky to be part of an amazing community. He really has listened since the beginning. Yeah. Uh, we meet every Monday night at Endgame in Oakland. Pause for a second. Actually, I have been and run a game at uh, Endgame in Oakland. They're good people. If you are in the Oakland area, you should go down there. Go and I remember Woo! I remember Earl's letter now because I talked about there was a game a game store up in Oregon named Endgame, and that's where ah. I got all my gaming stuff. Where in Oregon? Portland. It was way back in the day. Oh, okay. So it's long gone. The day. It closed. Not a day. It closed, I think, when I went to college because I wasn't spending money there anymore. <laughs> <laughs> you, were their lone, you were their only client. It was the only client. It's a priceless Ralph Partha. Please don't even look at it. I think I still have that here. Yeah. This is a unmarked Ralph Partha. Please don't touch. You're going to be looking at it. <laughs> <laughs> I only so, got- Endgame uh, in Oakland. <laughs> I will say one more time. Uh, end, end game in Oakland. It's a good place, and yes. I'll check it out the next time I'm never in San Francisco. <laughs> uh, it's <laughs> Oakland. That's yeah, it's close you, enough. Yeah, they touch. 
But no one travels to Northern California to go to Oakland. I don't even think this is on the camera, so that's extra creepy. <laughs> <laughs> he really does drive a windowless van. <laughs> uh, we have one thing that contributed the most to our success. Everyone GM. Yes. What? Um, we ask that everyone GMs once per month. Oh, that's a brilliant fucking idea. This keeps, ensures everyone gets to play and no one burns out on GMing. And because it's Pathfinder Society, they're all just picking up where the other one left off because they all know yeah. the adventure line. Wise. Yeah. Brand new Pathfinder players get a few months before they are asked to GM. Okay. Mm-hmm. I like to GM and play 50 50. Uh, so Pathfinder Society has worked fucking great. Uh, our success has proven this system works, and we host 28 to 35 players every week. Wow, mm-hmm. that's actually a really good. That's group. awesome. Yeah. Uh, we have new and old players over multiple age ranges and ethnicities. Uh, <coughs> and best of all, a few women. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, Pathfinder Society at Endgame is so good, it'll make you like Mondays. Well done. Wow. Our D&D game just had to leave Mondays because they suck so hard. Yeah. <laughs> wonder, uh, <laughs> the only problem is I wonder if it'll make me like Pathfinder. <laughs> Bum, there, bum, might, bum. There, might be, there might be a danger there. there yeah, yeah. You know, you just did your own sound effect on that one. I did. It's I did. starting to you're, like, you're, catch. Yeah, it's because you're rubbing off on us. Careful. Well, <laughs> oh, it's the windowless oh. man thing. I'm, I'm telling you. What? That's what we need is a good rub off. Um, <laughs> my, Come on. I got the best candy down at Mr. Stew's place. <laughs> And a free back rub. The the week after Halloween is so good. (laughs) So good. No, uh, my thing really, just pausing for a second. (laughs) My thing really is, I feel like I'm kind of burned out on fantasy. Like, it's been so many years of D&D and Pathfinder picked up and... It's like role-playing games are the knight and the wizard and the cleric but, and the but Dave, fantasy universe. Life is just a fantasy. Oh. Yes. Can't you live yes. this fantasy life? Dear Mr. Fantasy. No. <laughs> no. no. Well, what about L5R? The thing is, it's sure. slightly different. Like, I actually just saw the thing about Etheria, uh, the Pathfinder sci-fi mod, like sci-fi no. universe thing. It's Pathfinder rules, but set as okay. a sci-fi universe. And I was like, I'd check that out. Uh-huh. Uh, just to kind of go on, and you know, one of the reasons we, uh, Bob and I did Spirit of 77 is because it was a genre we liked. We liked the 70s. I mean, we liked... Like, uh, you know, smoking the bandit, we liked uh, yeah. Sergeant Peppers and all that. So, there's beer in Texarkana. And well, absolutely. I mean, so you know, the, the, the genre itself is, is just a show that the you know, RPGs are now more than just fantasy because there's so many things out there now, oh, yeah. and that you can find <clears throat> what you're looking for. And if you can't find what you're looking for, you have the agency now to be able to, to make it yourself and actually find an audience. We didn't expect to find anybody to, to like what we're doing, but we kind of had to. I mean, because these things were seeping into our other games. Like, you know, Bob, what are you playing? I'm playing a dwarf. Okay, what's the name of your dwarf? John Shaft. No, no, you're not. No, you're I am. I'm a dwarf. I'm a miner. Shaft is a good name. <laughs> right. Just talking about Shaft. Shut your dwarven beard. 
I'm sorry. You were still uh, reading in a letter, I believe. Yes, I'll go back to it. I'm sorry. Uh, anyway. I, I, it'll make you like Mondays. Yeah, I'm ready. I'm All ready right. to like Mondays. All right. Uh, hey, I, Boomtown Rats. Tell me why I, I don't like Mondays. Because yeah. they play I, Pathfinder on Mondays. <laughs> I know what you're thinking. Does Mitch drink the Paizo Kool-Aid? God damn right I do. I think the Pathfinder campaign setting is the best shared fantasy campaign setting out there. For a moment, imagine there is a megacorp that owns the world's oldest role-playing game. Hmm. And that company lays off many of the best RPG industry folks because it primarily cares about money. Hmm. That would never happen. Now imagine another company scooped up these people, hires the best RPG writers, and learns from the mistakes of the past. Hmm. Uh, there you go, last <laughs> email. Really, really forced. <laughs> no, a, really, what a napkin. You don't have the beard to like, muffle that anymore. Yeah, yeah, it's true. Yeah. It's wet nap time. I don't man. save any of it. <laughs> oh, God. It's, there was that podcast don't, years don't. ago now that like I let will, one will loose. Will you lift the camera back up? I don't think people want to see this. And it, <laughs> don't, yeah. don't, 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 don't. I'm don't. still on. Hey, everybody. <laughs> Look at... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> this is good radio. Yeah. Yeah, well, that's what they pay for. <laughs> uh, that, my friends, is Paizo Publishing. Yeah. Uh, my favorite of all their products is the campaign, campaign setting books. Need a couple dozen factions for your world? Yeah. Pick up the faction guide. Need a city that is also a mega dungeon? Yeah. Check out the city of strangers. Oh no! It's all these people that can only sit on their hands. Oh, <laughs> just one hand. Just one. Hand. Just Whoa! It like this. They have special chairs. Oh. <laughs> hand check. <laughs> they have off like most chairs only have on a chair arm on the left side, but there are a few that are that have it on the right side. About ten percent. Yeah. Just. <laughs> <laughs> uh, need jungle adventuring hooks? Sure. <laughs> Pick up part of the jungle, etc. etc. All their books are filled with campaign story hooks. Okay, now that I've spewed, oh god, confession time. Lately, I've needed a little more than what Pathfinder can offer me. Oh, oh no. There's your elevator pitch out the window. Yep. <laughs> Dear Penthouse Letters. Dear Happy I Jack. never thought it would happen to me. Lately, I've needed a little more than what Pathfinder can find me, offer me. On to my playlist. Thanks to you, Jackers, is Legends of the Five Rings. Mm-hmm. Savage. I'm assuming the next word is worlds. It is. Yes. Uh, Mongoose Traveler character creation session, hey, which you is know the what? best part. It, well, that's not true. It's a solid, solid game. It's it a is. solid system, but the character creation is... Is the, a fun game. Is, is a fun game. Of All of its own, yeah. Uh, moment of Truth! No, oh, actually, look at that. It'll get done soon. The Freak Show. <laughs> hey. Well, that's... You, you can't actually... Well, I guess you gotta you drive, drive down it. here yeah. for it. Yeah. Let us know when you're coming, and we'll make sure we actually do Freak Show that Right. <laughs> uh, and a, maybe a little Amber Diceless. Hey. You know, I heard she's involved with a guy named Jim. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) She's a fickle woman. (laughs) Oh! Luckily, I'm going to Big Bad Con this weekend. Ah. 
Uh, I'll keep a, an eye out for Kimmy and Jib. I think Gina was there, too. I think Gina, Gina was there. and Jib went. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, very cool. Oh, that uh, smells. Sorry. That's all right. Keep it to yourself. Uh, I get to cross one off my list. I'm in a Savage Worlds Western game called The Good, The Bad, and The Infernal. Awesome. Mm. I'm also going to be doing some improv workshops and a 1930s cultist LARP called Goo-Con. Goo-Con is something else entirely, I think, yeah. I can smell your con from here. Yes. <laughs> that's, Spider-Man. That's, 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 the con, that's the con the furries hate, because they always have to go to the dry cleaning. Right, afterwards. Hey. Yeah. <laughs> I think that's every con they go to, really. Uh, the last time I was at a big bad con two years ago, I noticed the LARPs had themes like World War II and Secret Agents. And weirdly, there were not fantasy with foam swords. Good for them. Uh, they were be re- being run by good-looking adult women. Holy crap! Amazing! Goo-con! <laughs> <laughs> Time to LARP! <laughs> Spider-Man! 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 Oh, Lord. <laughs> they frown on that. Just, just Yo, do they? As yeah. a warning. Okay. Uh, I will also be playing 5e well, ab- about, for the first time. About, about 99 out of 100 do. Okay. Sure, sure. But, but that 100th... When you find them, <laughs> never let them go. Never. Yeah. That whole set them free if they come back. No. <laughs> N-O. What's I'd... down in the basement? <laughs> Give me back my dog, lady. <laughs> Runs the lotion on its skin. Vecna, help me. Put it up, man. I have two absolute favorite moments of Happy Jack's. The first is the amazing penthouse-style <laughs> love letter for Amber Diceless. That was Jim's. That was yeah, Jim, yeah. Was. That was epic. Uh, the second was when your guest, I think his name was Chris, told the horror story of the naked orc king who gave his PCs a big way to bypass all the traps. Say. I don't remember that. I don't remember Chris. A big way to bypass. Was it Chris from Osaka? Was he ever on? No. Okay. I don't know. Not, not here. Uh, boy, I don't know. Well, I don't know. Uh, at the time, I was driving, and I laughed so hard, I had to pull my car over. Uh, lastly, I have one podcast recommendation for you and my fellow listeners. I used to listen to a podcast called Two GMs, One Mike. <laughs> I, they, what, I remember them. Sorry. Yeah, I did a very short thing called the uh, RPG Roundtable, where I got other yeah. RPG podcasters, and we would do a show on G+. And both, uh, I can't remember either of their names. They both came on. Yeah. No. Separate shows. I stopped when female host was not on it. Oh. Uh, my favorite episode they produced was called Mad Props. It's so good it gave me chills. Here's the link. Ta-da. And you know what? That might tie in with our prop email we had earlier on. Yeah. Right? It might. Happy Jacks, the prop episode. <laughs> What's what that? are you doing? It's a prop. Oh, oh, so, like oh, a plane. Oh. About to Prop. chew up a Nazi. Oh, okay. That's no, that's a vibrator store. <laughs> that's all for me. Keep up the good work and have a drink. Mitch from Oakland. And there it is. Thank I'll you very much. See you in hell. <laughs> okay. All right. So he or whenever you come down to a con. Yeah. 
he wrote to tell us how awesome Pathfinder Society is. And, and so, what are your thoughts, Stu, about Pathfinder Society? Well, now. I, I have no thoughts. I've never, pl- I've never played in a Pathfinder Society game. I only know the. But hey, are you tantalized now? No, no. Um, I, I've played Pathfinder. Okay, and that's why. But um, <laughs> I, I'm Whoa. just well. It's D twenty and me just don't. Yeah, just don't mix. Stork. Uh, I've. It doesn't sound like my cup of tea, to be honest. I like to to stray from the beaten path. So if I'm in a society and you have to follow a certain set of rules and do stuff, I'm going to be like, well, maybe nope, we're not going there. They may not run their games that way. That may be why maybe. they have 35 <coughs> active players. Maybe, maybe. Yeah. yeah. Um. It also sounds like there's a lot of people and a lot yeah. of big tables, and I'm not sure if I really want to do that. And Pathfinder's okay. I, to be honest, full confession, I've never played Pathfinder. I only played three five or. Three O, maybe it was three in college or whatever, and I hear it's right. remarkably similar. So I don't in have college. You would have played two. No, son. there was t- there was three. No, no. three uh, came out in two thousand. No, I, okay, you were you're right. You're right. I played three with uh, Jesse the barrel. Okay, all right, at my house. But uh, so I've never actually played, and I only played two or three sessions of that before it just sort of stopped. But right. I've never actually played Pathfinder. So yeah, but I, I, I'm I kind played, of a, I'm kind of with you. I played a little. I don't remember. I, I've, I've played it. I think more than once, maybe twice. And it's 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 D and D. I mean, it, it's it's fine. Um, it was fine. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like I played it. Listening to I Tyler mean, talk about all of the faults and flaws and how to how to game it. But right. Well, yeah, I mean, you could do that with anything. Yeah. I I actually played the well, the pirate Wizards of the Coast. RPGA, the oh okay, sure. Like our organized play, Wizards of the Coast D and D games uh, for a while. Um, there was the get together over at the Game Empire store mm-hmm. here in Pasadena, and um, it was like the the one chance I got to play for a while. So okay. I was going, and there were some really cool people involved, and really good people running games, and it was fun. I just never dug deep enough into it to really get my character and keep showing up and building my character and because that was really what it was all about was like right. the you get your character and you keep signing up for these games to play through these plot lines and I wasn't regular enough to be able to do that so it really didn't mesh with me um, as an outlet for somebody that doesn't have a group that doesn't have a regular group of friends that can get together and play games it's awesome like go for it have fun but I personally prefer the the home game, the the, you sure. know, the whatever adventure somebody takes the time to come up with. I I want to play in, even when I played through the Skull and Shackles Pirate Pathfinder Adventure Path mm-hmm. with Tyler running the game. It was super fun. And our group completely went off the rails on him all the time, but he was adept enough at GMing that he was like, all right, I'm going to tap dance right over here, and you're going to continue on on the story. And it's cool that you crushed up glass (coughs) to kill the first mate. That's fine. (laughs) You crushed up glass and put it in his food, because you got assigned as the cook's mate. So that's what you did. Now this big villain for this path is dead. You also pooped in someone's grog, if I remember correctly. I did, I did, because that guy was a bitch. <laughs> and I didn't like him very much. Hey, Stu, what does the chat room say about this? Uh, let me look. Uh, They're like, 
talking about Traveler. <laughs> yeah, probably. To- Tomer wanted me to remind you to plug JackerCon 8, which started today. So Holy shit! You can go to uh, Google the Google Pluses uh, or go to the forum, happyjacks.org slash forum, and there's a subdirectory there for JackerCon. It's going on right now. Um, I don't know how many games are being run. It, we're gonna. I think we're gonna. I think the hosts are gonna need to step up and start running games for the next JackerCon because, or at least play in one of the games that somebody else <laughs> yeah, is right. actually running. Or pay attention to when it's happening. Well, I no, I plugged it. I plugged it like two uh, two weeks ago. Or two, weeks. two weeks. Yeah, yeah. That's a lot well. Of I time didn't have a play. show last week. I. So go to JackerCon. So go to JackerCon. Go to it's on the Google Pluses, and there are games, and there you go. It's going on now. What a yeah. girl! Let's I did see, get a couple of the like invite emails. Si- Somebody agrees with me that they're over fantasy. Thanks, Sam. Well, I mean, that doesn't make fantasy bad. That just means you've played a lot of it and you're just tired of it right now. And you want to break? Yeah, there's nothing wrong with that. I just want to. The, there are so many games out there yeah. that are so wildly different that I want to play some of them. What would be you know top three? Top three things that I haven't at all played. Yeah. I kind of want to play a Dresden, Dresden Files. Fate, Dresden Files Fate game. <coughs> I, I mean, I've played, tinkered with a little Fate and played at cons a little bit, but I've never done a Dresden game. Um, and I kind of like the whole city building mechanic that sure. you're supposed to do as a group, and that seems cool. Uh, I've never played. Well, it's often talked about the uh, the Monster Hearts. People keep saying that uh, that it's a good game and I should play it. And I, I, why not? It sounds fun. Uh, and then probably, you know what? I'm I would love to play a, a Rogue Trader game. Okay. The in the Warhammer universe. Yeah, yeah. Like I've never played any of the actual I've I've actually played with the minis Warhammer 40K. You set up little battles and pew pew. Yeah. Pew, 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 yes. <laughs> in my bathtub. <laughs> well, that's, that's not, not what not they're awkward. meant to do cuz they made them out of metal and they sink and it sucks. <laughs> and they're all sea battles. Sharp. Why? Right. They're so sharp. But <laughs> No, uh, the like I I'm I'm actually interested in in a little bit of how their game universe works. I've never even really read the book, so I can't even tell you much about it other than the couple of things I've heard. But I, I'd be interested in trying that out. What about you, Stu? Games I want to play. Yeah. Um, the new Star Wars. Okay. Uh, the FFG games. Um, I would like to try Dresden Files. I'm not that interested in playing Fate per se, right? But I do want to try the Dresden Files Fate game. The, though the uh, I have been told the investment uh, is fairly considerable uh, to run something like that. It's hard to run a one shot in it, right? Because you got to yeah. create the world and right. your backstories and all that are intertwined. There's with like the a character. whole process. Yeah, there is yep. to get to the point where you're actually playing. It's it's worse than Mongo's Traveler. You actually have to spend a good day, maybe even more than one day, helping create this right. world first. So, Stork. Yeah. Well, that was only two. Do you have another one? Oh, mm. <laughs> I'm stalling because I don't know. <laughs> no, I'm kind of time. Time. I'm kind of a luddite. I mean, I. I'm going to get it settled on the stuff I want to play, and I play the stuff I want to play. You know what else? Randomly, just popped into my head, the leverage. 
RPG. Yes. I would really like to do that, I too. would like to play that. I'd like the mechanic in that about um, to retcon stuff. To say, oh, no, we already figured that part out. You'd like, it's been, like... I don't, uh, Cortex games are, are, are like very slowly becoming kind of fady. Oh, yeah? And it has a kind of a mechanic in there to not change the narrative, but change the narrative that happened, like, 15 minutes ago. Okay. Like, so, which happens in the oh, yeah, series all the yeah, time. Yeah, yeah. Right. We took care of that guard. Yeah. Uh, games I want to play? Yeah. I, 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 oh, Firefly. Oh, Firefly. I would like to play Firefly. I don't want to have to learn it. Yeah. <laughs> but <laughs> I would love to play it. I'm, uh, I'm mage curious. I want to, I want to play a You've game of mage. You've never played mage? I've never played mage. Ooh. So I want to try that for sure. Uh, Numenera, I, I own it. I love the look of it. I've heard so much about it. People are bananas over it and I don't get it. So I think I'd like to play it just to find out what the hell uh, all of the buzz is about. And uh, I know Monty spent a lot of time on it, and the book is gorgeous, so what the heck? I have a book I've never played, so <laughs> I should oh, probably you, try it. Did that. you Kickstarter it? Yeah. We did. Yeah. So you got the actual book book? Uh-huh. Um, and not a, not a system per se, but I just, I'm really jonesing for a great superhero game. I'd love to run a campaign, or I'd love to be a player in a superhero game. Didn't, I know, I know he did, but I can't remember the name of it, but Vincent Baker just came out, or did a Kickstarter for a new There's a bunch, I mean, there's really? of Masterminds, yeah. there's, of course, Hero, there's, um, what's Kimmy's Wild Talents, uh, there's all sorts of systems to play it in. I just haven't played a great superhero game since the 80s and i really What'd like you play? playing superhero games oh we play champions okay so but um i just like playing superheroes it's a lot of fun what about <coughs> you dave um you know i've really want to do dread i don't know if you've heard about that oh, okay uh I, i'm curious to see how the system works you know with the with the tension builder with with uh, jenga uh, i have heard really good things i've not had a chance to play night witches yet i'd love oh, yeah. to try night witches uh, and Sunday, actually, I'm going to be playing a <laughs> worldwide <coughs> wrestling RPG. Yes, because that's... That, I, like uh, the super old school one? Oh, no, no, this is brand new. This one was an open source one. That, uh, based Holy on It's a, a Powered by the Apocalypse style. So we're going to be doing that for the first time Sunday. I'm looking forward to it. Rock that. on. Yeah. I, there's a theme that I've had going with another guy that comes on the podcast occasionally, uh, Rob. Mm-hmm. Hosier Rob, um, but he and I have gone back and run obsolete games, or like the eighties WWF game, or something. Well, like that. that was the next one that we threatened to, that we're going to work on, and I actually bought the book. Yeah, uh, I read the book, just, and it's it's pretty horrible. But like, we did a top secret game mm-hmm. with the classic original book. We did a Rifts game. Which you swore you'd never do again. There's a reason that game isn't run. <coughs> yeah, the Top Secret is just not okay. You're not a fan <laughs> of Top Secret? N- not the way Keep it in mind, I played when I was book. 13, so I can't yeah, say that. that's the thing. So many people did. <laughs> and we all have these memories of, oh, it was really rad, and we were super spies, and it was cool. But no, if following <laughs> no. the letters of the book, it is very complicated and uh, charts. What about the James Bond 007 RPG that came out around that time? I, I don't. I never. I, I never played it, so I, I can't. I can't. But I heard that was good. <laughs> that was actually the thing. Like when we ran the top secret game at the convention, we sat down and we're like, "Okay, everybody. So here's the deal. We've tried to come up with a story that's going to be a lot of fun for everybody, and we're just going to have to struggle with some of the game." To that's make the way the, the make way it, it work, yeah. And we're like, we're really sorry about that. And like, the, one of the guys at the table's like, 
And I love Top Secret Rules. <laughs> Why are you shitting on it? So what was the hardest part about it? Like I said, I haven't played it in geez, 30 years. Really, so. when it comes down to like anything to do with melee combat? Melee. Yeah. <laughs> Anything to do with that, it's you end up having a chart depending on what your skill level was. Okay. And you can pick moves from your chart, and then your opponent has a chart depending on their skill level that they can pick a move. Okay. And if their skill level is higher than yours, their move might not even correlate with your moves. So you might say, I'm going to block. Well, this guy, he's trained higher than you, so he has martial arts, and he's going to do this. Well, you blocked, so you just said, fuck off to that guy's attack. And there was no rule for how to integrate the multiple levels. It was really awkward and terrible. I ended up making flashcards for each <laughs> player character. That we, it, luckily, it was pre-gens, so I knew all their skill levels. So sure. I made flashcards for all the different moves they could do, and I just clipped them to the sheets. I would really, you know, I, I'd have to find it, but I'd love to see if we could find uh, Gangbusters. I'd love to run that, you know. <laughs> you remember Gangbusters? Uh-huh. The, the 1920s TSR one. It was Gangbusters and Boot Hill. I, I don't yeah, know. Yeah. Boot Hill was fun. I remember, pl- I actually played that with Richard Garfield years ago. But uh, there was one that came out in the Dragon Magazine, like Crime Stoppers or Crime Busters or something. And again, it was like the 1920s yeah. sort of, and I remember running that and thinking that was fun. But... Yeah, there's aren't. But now you could just play that in Savage Worlds, true, or Apocalypse, GURPS, 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 oh, GURPS. GURPS does all of that. I said that's for you. What did, what did somebody say uh, about Top Secret in the in the chat? Did someone say something about Top Secret in the chat? Yeah, well, I just said <laughs> Top Secret. <laughs> Val Kilmer was in great in it. That's a great movie. <laughs> yeah, don't, don't be dissing on that movie. It's a star. Uh, Is Mr. That Man Peter of War's last. Oh. oh, might be. Mr. Man of War says, uh, "Funny, CA Dave." Ha, ha. Uh, I met and talked with Merle Rasmussen, creator of Top Secret. He's a nice guy, but I have no input on the game since I didn't game with him. Um, so there, there it is. That was- Sam, went, Dave, and Stu, what do you think about the FFG Star Wars narrative dice mechanic? Because I'm in love with it and have been running it for a year now. I've been practicing it. Oh, Stu, you had the best quote when I walked into the into the studio this morning. Running, uh, interpreting the dice in in FFG Star Wars is like reading chicken entrails <laughs> or tea leaves. Yeah, yeah. Have yeah. You, are you familiar with it? No, this oh, one's new. Here, I, a new one. Let me go grab the dice real quick. I'll explain, this. <laughs> I'll explain a little bit from what I've gathered in the last two days. Uh, because Stu has been threatening to run it, so... I, I love it. It's a threat. Yeah, so uh, I picked up the book for the first time, and I started reading it, and okay. the dice are all the polyhedral number sides that we are aware of, but they have arcane marks upon them that are not numbers Yeah, that you must then interpret and after you rolled them. them. Because numbers would just be too confusing. So we come up with arcane symbols that you don't have to memorize and try to figure out which one is which. Not too hard. It's kind of like zombie dice, except that not that, it's, it's not, that not even as clear. So here's, here's, some, here's some dice. <laughs> so if you have a stat, right, you take your green dice, 
These are like I can't remember what they're called. There's something abilities. Ability Ability dice. dice. So you have your. Let's say you have a stat of three. Take three of those dice, and you're going to do something with a skill. Uh, Let's say you're going to do brawling, and this is your this is your brawn. That's your stat. Is your brawn right? Is three. So let's say you have a skill level of one. You're going to replace one of those green dice with one of the yellow (laughs) dice, and then you roll those instead. Okay, and there's symbols on there. Uh, the little explosion symbol it's like is a good to thing. He's trying to sell me a car. All right. The little exp- <laughs> no, no, but explaining it help helps me understand it because I'm going to be running this shit sure. soon. So the little explosion is a, is a, uh, a success, and this those are advantages. That little the little like I don't what would you call that? I can't even see it from here. I'm I'm old what, and blind. What do we call that thing? It's, it's like, like a, two a, eyeballs, a dot with some laurels around it. Okay. Right? Yeah, yeah. It's and, it's like the the. And you have you know, successes. Film festival and then, award. And then you've got the purple dice. And these are difficulty dice. So like this is like an average difficulty with three of them. And you roll those. And when you get uh, these guys, that is... I like how his like speaking bad... speed has increased to like 1.5. Right. So people that listen to the podcast at this part <laughs> in the accelerated, <laughs> yeah, Stu's going to be like, okay, so here's what you do. You got to do this. These are failures. So you're trying <laughs> to get more successes than failures when you do something. But there's there's like advantages and then complications that can happen. And then you kind of spend those like, as a player or the doctor. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so you spend 20 minutes interpreting your dice, and no, then everybody forgets what you're no, doing. No, see, I've been practicing, so I won't spend 20 minutes Well, that's good, because the rest of the players are going to be like, no, what do I roll? And let me tell you, the one mechanic that I find is the coolest mechanic in the game okay. is the force, what do they call force, force points. Mm, yeah, yeah. Force points. Beginning of the game, everyone rolls this D12, which has white dots and black dots on it, right? Everyone rolls this, and there are markers that are double-sided. And they are kind of like bennies. So if they're white, the players can spend them and have cool things happen. But when you flip them over, that's how you spend them, they're now dark side. The GM spends those to make bad things happen. So... Over the co- uh-huh. right, so over the course of the game, so everyone rolls, and that tells you how it starts out, and it's a pool. You don't have your own; it's a pool that the whole table can use. Okay, I need some what some some. So you're like, light oh force. god, we're in that a really is kind of a cool life or that, death situation. I like that. Yeah, yeah. That seems really so neat. you yeah. flip them, and uh, I mean, I can totally see a situation happening where the GM's not using any of them, and the players are using them, and things are getting stacked up, and and you know. Uh, and then all of a sudden the GM has a ton of them, so when the big bad comes out, boom, 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 we can spend a whole bunch of them. Right. <laughs> and and fuck then, with you. And then, the, 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 but that gives the players ammo now to counter the, the situation. That's cool. Uh, it'll be, I'm very interested in, to see how the mechanic works, because I think it's a very, very cool idea. There's a lot of neat things in the game. Okay. Knock on. It's very mechanic heavy, it seems. Lots of interpreting mm. of dice and card flipping. See, and, but the, in combat, when you get those advantages and troubles or whatever they're called, if you get advantages, you're mostly going to spend them on crits. Because you need, like, depending on what weapon you use, you might need two or three of them to get a critical. Uh, or, or saves, hit. you know, if you fall or get hit by a lightsaber, yeah, you might want it to basically, like, not die. Basically, it, I <laughs> fell down a turbo lift shaft. On this the was my father's lightsaber stork. Let me turn it on while I look at exactly. it. <laughs> Do you know how to use a lightsaber? Roll to see if it explodes. Oh, stork, it exploded. First day with the hook. <laughs> that was one of my favorite, like, random Star Wars stories. 
was way back in the day. Mm-hmm. They, I don't even know if they do them anymore, but they used to sort of have a generic sci-fi convention at the Pasadena Convention Center. Really? Back in the, like, 90s, uh-huh. right? And it was sort of just anything you could think of. Like, you'd walk in, and there'd be, like, uh, the guy that played Buck Rogers. Gil, what's his Gil name? Gil Gerard. Gil Gerard. Played Buck Rogers, would be there signing autographs. And then there'd be a bunch of Star Trek people. And, then like, Will Wheaton would be there signing autographs before he became internet famous. Uh, <laughs> when he was just the hated Wesley Crusher. Yeah, yeah. Before that was he that. was anointed as Geek Pope. Right. Uh, so, like... We can't diss him just, too much. He lives in the area and we're trying to get him on the show. No, yeah. no. There's I, I mean, no, it's not a diss. No it's just, diss, he, no like, diss. I'm sure if you talk to him about it, he would be like, yeah, we sat at tables in this, like, basement area of... Yeah, the Pasadena Convention Center. <laughs> and there was WWF's Virgil in the corner. Yeah, yeah it was totally like that. <laughs> Poor Virgil. Um, I have a buddy that called that kind of area the like the Hall of Lost Souls, <laughs> where it was just like all these random celebrities that would be there to sign autographs or whatever. But uh. but one of these conventions, Mark Hamill was one of the big headliners. No kidding. And he came and he was telling a story about it was. Actually, I guess this was probably just in the early 2000s um, because it was just after episode one had come out. Okay. And he was telling the story about, okay, yeah, so I was a Jedi. Yeah, and when we were making these movies, you can watch. Whenever I'm fighting with a lightsaber, I'm holding it like it's fucking heavy, right? Because George told us... It's like Excalibur, man. Like, when you turn it on, whatever science magic powers it makes it heavy. And that's why the <coughs> Jedi are the only people that can use them effectively. And and they have to use the Force to use it because the gravitation of it would just whip somebody around and they'd kill everyone around them. Like, no average person can use these. But didn't Han Solo turn it on? He sort of turned it on, he but it was just like... I thought they smelled bad. Yeah. On the outside. He absolutely did. But it was not like he was trying to fight someone with it. Okay, sure. It was like, cool, I'm on the ground already. I, Okay. That whole thing. But he's like, this is what George told us, and we had to fight. So, th- And that's why Darth Vader was a badass, because he was so strong and so amazing that he could do it with one hand. And you have to keep two hands on it to keep control and my kid used to think I was the coolest Jedi in the universe. And I took him to see episode one. And we walked out, and my kid looked at me and said, You fucking suck! <laughs> they're doing backflips, and there's like a guy with a saber staff. And, yeah, and they're just like whipping it around like it's a ping pong paddle and fucking people up. Yeah, yeah. that was. I think he came up with that story because he's like, You know, it's going to be a pain in the ass to like superimpose these like... Like rotoscope, right? <laughs> fast moving sticks. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That would suck. They had to do it by hand back in the day. Uh, next email. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah, we got to read emails. Oh, yeah, yeah. Right, so I think we're All back right. to uh, Dave. Oh okay. Uh, yeah. Openly giving players metagame knowledge from Chad in Michigan. Greetings. I've been working on a side project and putting together my own setting for a superhero game. I'm wondering if I should allow my players open access to my setting Bible. 
If I were using established characters from someone like Marvel or DC, the players would already have the buy-in from those established characters and places. Even if I pluck some obscure corner of the canon, a quick trip to Google gets them on track. I'm considering providing similar information to the players. I want to have a setting with NPCs they can follow, who have lives, motivations, and problems of their own. If I give them a PDF they can search... Control F, not line by line, it would make that more accessible. <laughs> what I'm talking about is more of a who's who and not an outline of the bad guy's current plans. Still, there would be things that the players know that aren't <coughs> common knowledge to the PCs, but that happens all the time with the readers of comics, right? Anxiously awaiting your counsel, Chad in Michigan, great worm on the forums. P.S. I'd tell you to drink, but it's not like you've ever needed my direction before! I kind of disagree with him. I think way back in the day, especially when I was reading comics, uh, a lot of these people hadn't met each other yet. You know, like when the thing meets Daredevil for the first time, they fight. didn't know what they're. What, yeah, well, they would always fight, but they also didn't know who, whether they were a good guy or a bad guy. Right. They didn't really yeah. know each other, and then you know, now that these guys have been around so long, they're like, "Oh, hi, Dare, hi, Dee Dee, how's it going? Oh, hey, thing, what's up, man? Yeah, cool, yeah, cool on. on you." But but That's way back when it was still starting up, you know, when <laughs> Spider Man first started crossing over, met like you know Iron Man or something. You like the color of my shirt? Fuck you, man. <laughs> <laughs> They, I can't you know. even wear a shirt. <laughs> so, so depending on the world you got, if you've got so maybe like elder, the elder statesmen of your superheroes, like the Avengers, have been around for a while, and everybody they read about them in the news, and everybody knows who they are. Well, that yeah, okay, that's cool. But if if these are just like the first sort of starting heroes, then they wouldn't know each other. Why would they? Do you well, ever read a uh, Astro City by Kurt Ka- uh, yeah. Music? Yeah. So. That's a great series because, again, even though that they have characters that have been there for a while, you don't have all the information <laughs> about them, and it kind of develops organically. Even though they say, yeah, we've known about Silver Agent for a while, or this or that and the other, just because you've heard... It, it's like, you know, you've heard of Amelia Earhart, and you kind of know the yeah. story, but you don't know specifics sure. about Amelia Earhart, except she's gone, you know, and th- th- that kind <laughs> she of... She had a plane. <laughs> yeah. So, and, and even as a super, like, you know, depending on what class you're in, if you're Iron Man, you're busy fighting galactic invasions, and you may have heard that there's some weird dude that dresses in red and hangs out in Hell's Kitchen, but why would you ever bother and to interact punches with Punches muggers. Right. Like and street-level guys the, versus the cosmic well, level. Or, or even two yeah. cosmic-level guys, but, you know, the Silver Surfer flies down to Earth, and, you know, he doesn't know <coughs> all of these guys before. He may, you know, but... Or even people in different cities. You know, Green Arrow... Doesn't hang out with Batman. They may peripherally hurt each other, but now, of course, everybody, you know, they've been around so long, they've all crossed over and now all know each other. Well, so. Let me. Getting away from the comic book, comic book oh, geek sorry. here for a second. Yeah. <laughs> Solomon Grundy wants pants. <laughs> yeah, we don't want to lower this. <laughs> don't talk about comic books, guys. Let's turn no, them no, like uh, RPGs. No. But, I mean, if this game is set in a world with, with oh, I don't know, say, an internet. Yeah. Why wouldn't they have all that information at their fingertips? Well, sometimes superheroes aren't necessarily forthcoming in their power sets. Sure. Yeah, you know, yeah. you might but be able to find news articles on Superman. That's what, that's what I mean. Oh, okay. There'd be like there'd be news articles or reports, or the news will come up with a name for this guy, the Masked Avenger, or whatever they call him. Yeah. And and information, I mean, g- gathering information on the Googles is pretty easy. New shit. Has come, has come to, to light. light, man. I've got information, information. man. <laughs> New shit has come to light. 
<laughs> well, so I, I know what you're saying, but that's, uh, if that's the world he wants, if he's got like, you know, these other superheroes that are out there doing their thing then and have been for a while, then yeah, <coughs> you know, you could look up an article and read about all the stuff Superman has done, you know. But if they're the first that have shown up or some of the earlier ones, there's no reason that you should ever show them. In fact, it's more fun because when they first meet another set of superheroes, they may not know they're superheroes and fight! I, well, I sure. I don't remember if it was a, an actual setting or if it was a friend of mine who said that they were doing it for some hero setting where it was basically all the heroes were, you know, had to go fight some cosmic <laughs> war and and all got snuffed. So the city, you know, the world basically had to be re, you know, the com or the the heroes had to be repopulated by the sidekicks. And so some sidekicks decided they would, I'm going to take on the mantle of Batman because I've been the boy wonder. And some said, no, I'm going to just be myself. And it changed the dynamic. Although obviously everybody would still would have heard of like the, the tier A guys, but then it forces the tier B guys to kind of step up to that level. Another way of looking at it. Back in the day when we had long-running champions campaigns, I mean, we were kind of the only heroes on the block, and we pretty much figured anybody else who showed up was a villain. <laughs> Kill him! Yeah. <laughs> Which in well, hindsight but, but may have, have been an awkward situation. But to have situation. that... Trick or treat! Fight! <laughs> <laughs> but to have that rival superhero group on, on the other side of town that does things... Just a little better than you do every right? so often, or in another city, even. Yeah. Just and you keep reading all these articles, but you know, you guys, yeah, and they're getting like good the boys, you're not right? Like, like, like other characters in the what boys. we need is a publicist. Yeah, <laughs> that was Booster Gold, who was a character that was sort of built by committee and had a publicist, and <laughs> yeah. it's pretty funny. Well, that's like you could use the in-universe DC universe Google to look up Superman's powers. But you would still never know that he had like a magic saran wrap. Because <laughs> <laughs> nobody that saw that happen is going to go to Wikipedia. What and the hell that. is that? Like, why would he be able to do that? <laughs> you'd never know. And then you'd go to find him and you'd be like, I'm all equipped with all this shit that should take you down. And he'd be like, saran wrap, bitch. And you'd be like, ah, why? I've done all the research and it's wrong. <laughs> Right. My life is a lie. <laughs> I don't know if we really answered that one. I don't think, I think we did. Either. Yeah, I think we did. Th- I say do it. If you want. And They're not going to read it. about it. They're not, don't ever expect the players to read more than a paragraph. Well, yeah, that's true. There's that whole information dump problem, which is yeah. like, hey, here's I've, I've written a dossier on these guys. They're like, oh, that's great. And they uh, put it back nice. with, next to the painting you gave them eight episodes ago. <laughs> to look at it. Yeah. If you want to do something like that's good. that. I want to fight something. Make, make a make <laughs> exactly. a fight. Make like a, uh, a, a wiki and start populating it as you come up with NPCs or ideas for NPCs and put in little bits of notes on stuff about what would be public knowledge about them or and then let that thing let that shit slip at some point or, to the or players. Don't you do and come up with some news articles like ah, you said like about yeah. the rival team that's just doing it that much good better. stuff isn't it? And every it's episode diabetes in a bottle. It yeah. is diabetes in a bottle. Yeah, not your father. What's it called? Not your father's root, root beer. Root beer. I think it's your turn to read there, Stuart. Oh, it is. All right. oh, oh, good. I'm really. I. I, I want to. I, I, go ahead. Go ahead. Or oh, didn't you? Didn't you just read the? No, no, no. I don't want to read it. I, I, I go. No, this. This one I've been waiting for. Hello, gentlemen and stork. Wow. That's not me. That's what I had to realize. No, it says it right there. What I have for you today is indeed a horrific story, 
but it is not, thankfully, my own. A, a person who goes by the handle of Heart of Darkness. swallow the bug. That was good. Actually, I really like that. Posted this on the Fear the Boot forums that f- I frequent. I free that I frequently troll rule troll rule over. When I was when it was suggested that he should send this on to you guys, he in- instead asked me to send it on his behalf with a blatant tease that he has much worse to offer from the same GM. Gird yourselves. Gird girding. This is some serious bullshit. So I had a long conversation with my DM the other night about the nature of dice and honesty. We were playing Pathfinder, by the way, but this this post applies to all RPGs with dice and GMs. Basically, I noticed that if I roll a natural 1 or a natural 20, or if I fail or succeed to hit a previously established uh. difficult, difficulty for the task and I simply announce I fail or I succeed, the DM chews me out and tells me this is not for me to decide, that I should just tell him the result and he will tell me what happens. <coughs> I okay, asked, uh, it's not necessarily a bad thing. I can't, you know, so far so good. It's like you roll, let's say you're rolling a d20 and you roll, your, roll a, a 11 way, and you say I fail. Like, what did you roll? A, you rolled a, 11. A, uh, way, a way to discourage your, I wouldn't chew them out, but a way yeah. to discourage your players from metagaming, I suppose. Okay. It's not bad so far. Okay. I asked him why he is e- even calling for a roll when I can't succeed on a 20 or fail on a 1, and then he let me in on, on a secret. The dice don't actually determine anything. They are merely there to give the players the illusion of control and impartiality. I don't actually use your numbers. You should say, say this like Morpheus. I don't know who Morpheus is. From the Matrix? Wow. Oh, Morpheus. I, I don't know if I could They're do Morpheus. They're merely there to give the players the illusion of control. <laughs> How did I beat you? <laughs> I don't actually use your numbers, Leo. I don't even, even look at my own dice. I don't even look at my own dice. I merely roll them behind the screen and then announce whatever result I like. The goal of the DM is to tell a story and to make sure everyone is having fun. And the DM can't do that with random elements like dice getting in the way. <laughs> <laughs> oh, those pesky dice in the randomizers. Oh, oh. And I would have gotten away with it if it weren't for your pesky dice. I would have crushed you guys had you not rolled all those saves. Oh, F those players. And that silly dog. Too. <laughs> I expressed shock at this. And profess that I had never felt the need to trick or lie to my players like that. And doing I'm glad it, he said like that, because you like to trick and lie to your players all the time. Oh, boy, no, no, know. there's <laughs> nothing behind the door. Go on in. No, it'll be fine. <laughs> Everybody roll. <laughs> Let me just get these character sheets out. Yeah. My favorite was when, when the helicopter blew up in the yeah. last vampire game. <laughs> And I and and Kimmy wasn't there, so I rolled the damage for. Her, oh yeah, and I rolled <laughs> almost no damage. No damage. Yeah, she like took none. She Maybe like she would have soaked a it. point Zero. or something. Yeah, like yeah. almost nothing. And she she walks in. I says, "I rolled your damage for you. Do you want me to? Do you want to keep this roll? Or do you want to roll it yourself? Oh, I'm going to roll it myself. 
Okay. And we're all like, <laughs> and, and she ended and up she, half dead. She, ended <laughs> up, yeah, she fucked herself up. <laughs> Spoilers. And she knew. She knew when when I said it. Yep. It's like I'm I'm one, I'm fucked one way or the yep. other. I just don't know which. Um. I shocked the the the, the, the lie to the, my players like that, and doing it would make me feel like a cheater. And I and knowing a GM was doing it would make me lose trust or respect in them. There's asterisks there. Should I? Yes, he, it's later on. He's yeah, got, he gets uh, back. Another DM I once knew had a rule that the DM rolls all the dice. He didn't tell any of his players this. Instead, he let them roll, asked them for their result, nodded, rolled what really <laughs> happened, happened behind the screen, and then announced the result back results based on his dice eventually the players noticed the, the disconnect between their roles and the results and confronted him about it the result was a dissolution of the game and none of the players ever allowing the dm him to dm for them again and lots of out of character anger and vitriol and hurt feelings so that was the two asterisks did we miss a single asterisk somewhere because yeah got, we did oh here yeah. it, uh while I don't like to include personal attacks, and I'm genuinely curious about how others view his arguments, I feel that I must mention that, judging by his behavior as a PC in other games and away from the table, that the DM in question is both an incredible control fleek and extremely dishonest. Okay, so let me find out where that one was attached to. It don't matter. Carry on. It don't matter. He's an asshat. Okay. Um, <laughs> he then announced, all good DMs do it. <laughs> oh, really? Um, why don't you Birds think... Birds do it. Bees do it. <laughs> Even DM. really good DMs <laughs> do it. Let's do, do it. it. Let's fudge our dice. <laughs> I think there's another song there somewhere. We don't have to filk that, but the whole about dice fudging. I think uh, <laughs> call it fudge packing. <laughs> Just the tip. Uh, in the old days, it was commonly understood and accepted, but modern players tend to whine about it, so we have to keep it a secret. Oh, he belongs to the old brotherhood of DMs. <laughs> it even tells us to do it on page 30 of the 3.5 DMG. Three asterisks. Three asterisks. Turning, turning uh -oh. now. Turn with me now. The part that talks about modifying the DC or applying circumstance modifiers. I think this is an extremely twisted reading as nothing in the section mentions retroactively applying modifiers after the dice is rolled or applying modifiers based on metagame constructs such as who is stealing the spotlight. <laughs> Only in-game <laughs> factors like wet floors or low ceilings. Thank you. That's, <clears throat> you are correct. It would be sad if the book actually had a whole... Uh, yeah. Um, it, it, it was all, all these the rules that we spent all this time and money putting together. Fuck, fuck it. <laughs> <laughs> If you don't do it, you are a terrible DM, and your players would be better off playing a video game or board game if all they want are impartial rand is impartial random. So this is back to that other sentence here where he was talking about, okay, on page 30 there. All right. I'm with you, Adam. We discussed it further, and he said that he does it for all sorts of roles and that he micromanages every step of the game and the story. He will, for example, give the enemies bonuses to AC against the more 
offensive characters and bonuses to hit against the more defensive characters so that everyone deals slash takes about the same amount of damage and he will give the players different DCs on the same skill test if he decides that one player is hogging the spotlight or stealing another character's thunder and needs to be brought down a peg. Oh, you know that magic sword and armor you had? It really doesn't matter because the monk is is taking just as much. Yeah, but he also the monk. Quit. Oh my god. He also claimed to be so damn lucky that it was the only way that his parties ever survived a session, and therefore we should be thankful that oh! he doesn't actually roll his own dice, as his imagination is much more generous than his lucky dice rolling. I'm so <laughs> lucky that you guys would all be dead if I had to roll dice. Well, that's definitely not my case. So, yeah. I n- now, I personally am very open and uh, am a very open and honest DM. I roll all my dice out in the open. Uh, there's four asters. At least all dice which the player characters have a way of knowing about. I still roll things like the stealth test and the hidden secret enemies, of course. All right. <clears throat> and even tell the players uh, what the target number they're shooting for it before they roll the dice, which I understand is heresy in most gaming circles. Okay, why? Yeah. I never really understood the problem with that. I don't really well, get it. What do you mean? It, with, well, it's like with a DC, you guys just need eleven to hit. So with a DC, I wouldn't have a problem with it. I mean, I kind of understand, like if you don't know if you're fighting people and you don't know who is like the super badass and who isn't, and you want to keep their sure. AC sure secret until they figure it out. I can kind of get that. It. It, it stops people from metagaming saying, oh, we need to gang up on this guy. He's got a DC of 20, and this guy over here only has well, a yeah, DC I wouldn't, of 14. Well, yeah, I wouldn't hand it out to them, but, like, you know, after a round or two, I'd just say, uh... I'm just going to figure you, it you out. You know what? If you're, if you're on this guy, you just tell me if you, get, if you get an 11 or lower or 11 or right. higher, then you hit. I don't have a problem with that. I don't see... No. It, it, it makes things faster. But not at first. No. When it first starts out. You want to let that start to kind of shake out, I guess. Uh, it's not that I don't ever fudge a die dice or change a rule mid-session or make a mistake <clears throat> it's just that i generally let my players know about it and even ask if it's okay with them before i do it and i do my best to correct the situation or come up with a house rule in the future for example at the start of the game i let my players know that the rules say their character dies. They are instead merely incapacitated. They don't want to have to end the character's story by random chance. If death is actually on the line or the player wants to roll a new character, go out in a blaze of glory, etc., uh, we talk about that beforehand. Instead of dying when death is on the line. <laughs> so, I am curious, what do you, my fellow gamers, feel about the roll of dice in the game and do broader issues of lying to your players for their own good or the good of your story, do you do it? Does your DM do it? Do the monkeys in the trees do it? Uh, do most DMs really do it? Or is this the opinion? Or, or What is your opinion of DMs who do? Uh, so there you have it. It is my best to encourage Mr. Darkness to contact you with more himself, but I can't make any promises with regards to his cooperation. I the darkness. <laughs> regards, Osre Vep, president of the Fear the Boot Forum community, pronounced Osre Vep. Yeah. I, we've talked about this in various permutations, never to quite this extent, but I, we this all... This guy is an asshat. He absolutely <laughs> yes. is. I'm not going to justify it, but, but the, I... The, the this king of all about, Oh, no! 
OGMs do this. Oh. It's our secret. Your dice mean absolutely nothing. If I you just listen to everything. this podcast, by the way, the the hand gesture. I really <laughs> wish that people were watching the video because he he literally did the evil genius pose there with the fingers tapping with one another. It was great. You know, <laughs> we all do but this. We, Stu and I have admitted to fudging dice now and again to like sure. keep TPKs from happening or whatever. But uh, sure. you and I have seen the line and we do it less and less. And now we usually roll openly in front of people when we do stuff now. It depends which, on the roll, though. Yeah, yeah. Uh, again. But because because it, it got to the point where it was like, so if, if they really you know roll and, and, and die, you don't let them die? No. You know, so... Uh, this guy's taking it to the extreme where none of your dice rolls mean anything. So like, why even have a randomizer? Just you sit around and tell us what we're going to do. Just right. he's an ass. Yeah, I, yeah. I, I think part of the problem is it, it, it is probably the worst form of railroading because clearly he's yeah. trying to tell his story. Absolutely. Yeah, I'm surprised there's not a DMPC. Invite people over to your house to sit in front of the fireplace and drink hot chocolate while you tell them a story. Right. Yeah, I just would at some point in this game, I'd just say, "I'm. Why am I going to roll dice? Tell me if I hit or not." Oh, it hit me. Okay, that's great. I oh, know I'm not well, going to die. Thing, like, You're not going to kill me. <laughs> this guy is a big enough jerk off that he lies about it. Right. He's like, "You people aren't smart enough to figure out how to be in the game properly." <laughs> you people. So fuck you. It's me against you. You people are always trying to fuck with me. I'm going to I'm, tell you a story. Here's how it is. Yeah. Hey, look! You rolled some dice. That's nice. Wahaha. They mean nothing in my world. Oh, you got a 20? You better confirm that. Oh, you got another 20? You missed. Oh, you missed. I'm sorry. <laughs> that guy's a badass. I wonder if this harkens back to something on the forums, but I'm not going to bring that up. No, don't do that. <clears throat> I feel like poaching that it came off for the loot forum, though. But they don't do horror stories. So. No. Everybody was open should. about it. Yeah. Every podcast. And yeah. the boot guys are good guys. We like them. They yeah. like us. It's all good. I don't think they, we're they actually... They don't like us. Oh, that's right. <laughs> I've never shat in their grog. But no. I Should no. I? Stork fuck, fuck, fucked up their lawn, though. Yeah. Asshole. Well, yeah. What? He pissed on it. What? He had to pee. He was mowing. He, mow, he goes out and mows Dan's lawn once in a while. Right, when we had... Right, but when Stork pees, it's like a nitrite tanker just pulled up. Let <laughs> loose. So, it's like fair, football lines burned we, into the... When we crowd. were there, it was a magic house with a magic bar. I was overwhelmed by the whole situation to begin and with. And he had to pee. I did. I went to the magic bar. All right. They didn't have a magic toilet. That, that, that's a good horror story. I like that one. Anything else? We're at two hours. Excellent. Actually, two hours and almost ten minutes. Horror stories right. are becoming more and more popular, I've noticed, amongst I've the... I've got a lot. Uh, I've got a lot. Well, I've got a huge backlog of I was going to say that not just us, but but there a lot of other people out there are starting to share horror stories. Yes. And they should. Because yeah. they're awesome. Yes. Mm. I think you learn more from what things have gone wrong than you actually do from when they've gone right. When you read these stories, you're like, wow, that'll never happen to me. Oh, wait, that did. The entire mechanic of Apocalypse World. You failed... Get some EXP. <laughs> right. Yep, that's true. <laughs> so you were involved in a horrendous situation. Now you know what to do better. Or depending on the apocalypse, you actually get dice that you can then use later on as well, which you guys don't use. You get, you use it as experience. But I think... Uh, well, we do have the, the mechanic of something extra where it's the three and then you add two, but that <clears throat> has nothing to do with... Your dice roll per se, because you're, the GM could get like a pool of dice as well. If every time 
every time you take your successes, they end it, and then they can use those as well, right? Oh no, we don't roll dice. Well, that's what I'm saying. Yeah, because you the way you guys have hacked it, you don't have anyway. Well, it depends on the does flavor. Does the you're GM playing. roll dice in any apocalypse world hack? Not that I'm aware of. They're all. It's all player ruled. Yeah. yeah. All right. So tell tell people where to get uh, Spirit of Seven oh, Seven. Oh, hey, okay. Yeah. So uh, we're available on Drive Through RPG and also Indie Press Revolution, mm-hmm. and you can find us on Spirit of Seventy Seven Game dot com and on Facebook and on Twitter and Google Plus. Is it required to have a soundtrack when you play it? Nah, not really. I just tend to do that. You know, I, I tend to do that while I drive, even with the radio off. Like, <laughs> and I think the most annoying one is the Ironside. Oh, that one? Yeah. Wee! Ooh, it's an Ironside Wee! Siren. Yeah. Right. <laughs> I just saw... <laughs> I, I randomly just saw online, I think I was on Reddit or something, that like some guy made a video of he apparently had a little mini travel hairdryer, and he plugged it in the first time, and he turned it on, and it goes, Wee! And then he puts it on the low setting, and it goes, Ooh! And he's all... <laughs> So he makes a video and it's all dun dun dun, and he puts the thing up and he turns it on. It's all wee wee. You know Quincy Jones did I was that. Cracking. That's up. a Quincy Jones cover uh, th- song. He actually wrote that. Did he really? Yeah. Quincy Jones, talented motherfucker. I, not, not at that moment, but I was never popular. I was never. I never really liked that show that much. I thought Jack Klugman was just a little underplayed when he. he his last name was Quincy. His last name was Quincy, and he was a doctor. Oh, that's not the same. No, that's different. No, that's Barnaby Jones. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. And that was Buddy Epps and, Never and Quince. Focus, people. Focus. All of us at uh-huh. once, or are you going to focus one at a time? <laughs> it's a different turn. Get in the line. <laughs> The difference between an aperture setting. <laughs> photography joke, bitches. <laughs> Suck it. Oh, that's true. You should just f stop it. Oh, we ready? <laughs> we done? I was waiting for the siren to go by. Are you? Are you done? I'm hearing it. Through. I don't need You're to done. worry about no, that. I'm hearing it. I can take that out in post. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's gonna happen. It's cool. <laughs> oh yeah. yeah. No, no. I'll just gonna copy of the sound I'll just invert and make a second track and just It'll, you'll speed it up and slow it down so it goes wee I love the fact that it's annoying to you I don't know why but that's well it's just that whole first well and uh, we dun, 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 dun. and it's it's just it's really loud and, and when you guys were doing it in the in the con we were all playing this game and it was like I warned everybody. I stopped before we ever played, and I turned to everyone, every other table said, I'm, I'm, I can get a little loud. I'm but, sorry. Uh, but, to, and and, and, and everybody goes, oh, well, we can get loud, too. No, no, and and that, like it, 20 minutes in, everybody stops, you know, goes, why are those Spirit of 77 guys so loud? That was the point. I warn you every that time. That's not the point. It's the point that, that it, it comes out of nowhere. It's like because it's supposed to be surprising. So, you know, it's like we're all in our own shit, and all of a sudden you hear at top volume, Wee! like it's supposed to be like, oh my God, what just happened? I so, peed. I just peed. Hey, completely semi-off topic. There's a Kickstarter going on right now. I know, Stu, how he feels about these. 
but it's for a video game based on Friday the 13th. No kidding. And the idea is it's going to be asymmetric multiplayer where one person plays Jason. Oh. And seven people play Camp Counselors. And (laughs) they have to survive the night. That's their win objective. And Jason's objective is to murder everybody. (laughs) And That's awesome. The part that's cool is it's this small group of dudes. No. the GM the... Kind there, of a, there's no GM. Okay. It's going to be like everybody has to act within <laughs> rules of the video game. But the cool part was it was this bunch of guys that got together and had this idea to do this as like an homage to Friday the 13th and slasher cool. movies. And then somebody they knew put them in touch with the guy that Sean Cunningham that owns the the rights to Friday the 13th. And he was like, that's amazing. Why don't you really use Jason? And then he put them in touch with uh, Tom Savini, the guy that's like designed all these amazing horror deaths oh, yeah, over Tom the years. Savini. And uh, uh, what? No, Sex Machine from from Dust. Oh, Tom yeah. Savini. Yeah. yeah, the the cock yeah. gun guy. Yeah. yeah, everyone knows Tom Savini. Come on, oh, is that the series? The movie? In the movie, the movie. In the, movie. In the, the series, in the movie. it was what's his name? Yeah. Well, I don't know about that. I watched the movie. Is Cheech Marin in the in both in the movie and the series? Is he? I have Marin not seen the series. the series. He played two oh. characters in in the movie. Right, he so plays the 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 bartender. The bartender, you know, if he well, fuck Nobody he, ever and then he the plays the the police like announcer. Yeah, the MC. Yeah. yeah, you haven't seen the series? Not yet. Oh, it was fun. Anyway, but Dave, this, were you telling a story? This Kickstarter is going on. It looks really fun. They're getting really close to their funded goal. They, I think, they need like seventy grand more. Which, in That's terms really of really close, yeah, they're seven hundred. Oh, video game, yeah, yeah. Oh, oh, seven hundred grand was their target number, and okay. they're at like six hundred and thirty or something. When I last looked, can they make it for seven hundred thousand? A video game? It seems likely. Because it's not like they're trying to make a fucking forty-hour video game. It's not going to be The Witcher. It's it's, it's not be... hundreds of hours of gameplay. It's Jason and a camp. Okay. It's not like we have to make a hundred levels or whatever or design See, all these different NPCs. When it's, you were talking about it, I was thinking how great that would be just for a role-playing game. It's like one guy plays Jason and everybody else's camp, and then you guys you could just go. It would you be don't even difficult. Need a GM. It would be like Jason is the GM. Use something like uh, Fiasco. Monster of the Week. Well, I was thinking yeah. a GMless game. Oh, that's true. Amber Diceless. Uh, Not Amber or come up with like a like a, a deck of cards that you can flip over that's Jason's right. action. That's, uh, God, what's that? The game I keep wanting to play that I got. Uh, I don't know. Juggernaut, which is made by... I'm Bully the Juggernaut, bitch! <laughs> by, it's by Bully Pulpit. I'm the made, Juggernaut, bitch! Right. The same people right. that made... Uh, Shabel Hiri Roach and uh, Fiasco. Right. <laughs> did you really just bust out Shabel Hiri Roach? Yes, wow. he did. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Spider Man! All right. Roach! Where listeners of Happy Jacks on PG Podcast. Thank you for joining us for season shit, 15, episode <laughs> 18 of Happy Jacks RG Podcast. My name is Stu. I'm Dave from the Spirit of 77. This is Stork, still not from the Spirit of 77. I'm Kadave! 
Thank you. Like thank you very special much. Needs. <laughs> Dave, thank you for driving out. From thank the, you for having me. From, West Side. from Oakland. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> from Pakistan, all the way flying in. Yeah, I need a ride home, Dave. <laughs> sure. <laughs> Why not? We'll see you next week. Leave with a song. I'll see you in hell. <laughs>